Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined today with Jonathan. Hey, guys. And Steve. Hawaii, mateys. <laughs> so, Jonathan, summer camps, huh? Summer camps, eh? <laughs> you ever been to one or what? You know, the closest thing I ever went to as a summer camp was a um, junior lifeguard program where it was really just a day camp. You didn't do any overnight anything. And so we would just go to the beach every day and they would teach you like different lifeguard skills, ocean safety and awareness. You know, I remember like you that. doing the lifeguard thing a lot. Yeah, you were yeah. really into it. Yeah, I, w- I started when I was like 12 and then I became an instructor with them at like 16. And then when I was 18, I was eligible to be hired on as an actual lifeguard. And that was awesome because I was like 18 years old making like $19 an hour lifeguarding you know sitting up in a tower all day saving a bunch of kids little dumbass kids getting caught in riptides stuff like that you let any of them drown ever no i wanted to (laughs) (laughs) so all right so Corey, here's a good story i just thought of so i was lifeguarding and i was on duty one day there was decent sized waves out and you know that where we grew up a lot of the population was very hispanic and these two kids go out on their fucking Kmart boogie boards. Like these things are probably $5 a piece. They're wearing jeans, their full t-shirts, shoes, like all that stuff going out there in the water. And these dumbass little kids are out in the water and they get caught in a, in a current that started taking them towards the pier, like underneath the pier at Wainimi. And at that point, the only way to get out there and rescue them is to run out the pier and then jump off the pier into the water, grab them, and swim under the pier with them, trying to not hit them on the muscles and the the pilings and yeah, all that. Yeah, there's hazardous shit around the yeah, pier. Yeah, you can get serious Fishing infections. Fishing lines. Yep, you can get serious infections from the muscles. Anyway, so these two dumbass kids that are fully soaked in their full clothes and whack-ass boogie boards, and I had to like hook up to them with our little buoy thing and drag them under the pier and then bring them in after that. Damn. Like, that was wild. Jonathan saved some lives. Yeah, dude. Do you think they remember that? I hope to God those kids never came to the beach ever again. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Their parents remember the day they failed to successfully drown their fully clothed kids in the ocean. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what was uh, beach camp like? Was it fun or what? Sounds fun. So it was. It was really cool. We used to have this uh, instructor. You can bleep her name out if you want, but uh, no last names here. Katie? <laughs> She was the uh, apple of my eye at that time. And oh, Katie, was, Katie was hot or what? Oh, she was smoking hot, dude. And she uh, accelerated me through uh, the kickoff of my puberty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Anyways, so every time she... So Wainimi Beach is very famous for being super cold. Like we have a natural like deep water trench right outside it's, of the beach. It's abysmally cold. Dude, it, it's like 10 degrees colder than all other beaches around. Yep. So anyway, so she would come out of the water and wearing her hot little red two piece and she must have had like massive nipples, dude, because they were always like just straight at full attention and like, dude, they like I don't know. or what? They what? They're like pepperonis? No, they weren't like big and round, man. They were pokey. <laughs> like, like Canadian. Like, you know. no, they were like, no, like she, 
like she probably had like like uh, the equivalent of like two large Concord grapes under there, <laughs> like that size is what it seemed like, like to be at the time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. The like, terms men invent for female anatomy, like like a couple of baby toes, like sticking out, you know. <laughs> Anyways, man, she uh, she was the uh, subject of many uh, hours of self pleasure. That's for sure. <laughs> you spanked her when she was in your spank bag. Oh yeah, dude. This at is 13, gonna get weird. At thirteen yeah, years old. Strange. You know what? At, at thirteen years old, you just develop, you know, the wildest imagination. That's for sure. No, absolutely, absolutely. My seventh grade teacher was barely out of uh, college for learning how to be a teacher, and she rode horses. She was a very nice figure, and used to wear riding pants to school every once in a while, and um, that was formative. I, I'm sure they. Uh, there is nothing left to the imagination with uh, no two piece lifeguard bathing suits and uh, horse riding pants. Mm-hmm. See, I think this is all appropriate for this movie, which is it doesn't a, seem like it would be, but which it is, is. A, a pretty horny movie in and of itself. It's the horniest Disney film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have one more camp story, real quick, since we're on it. One of the things I like to do is drive through the canyons, Santa Monica Mountain Range, Mulholland yeah. Highway. There's lots of camps out there, youth camps, you know, summer camps, day camps, stuff like that. And there's a lot of Jewish youth camps out there, right? And so I was. I had done some workout at a few of them previously. I, and uh, anyways, I was taking my wife on a drive through Mulholland and um, I was explaining what the camps are. She's like, oh, that's like, there's like a star David right there, you know, whatever. And, and I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of Jewish camps out here. And she's like, totally innocently, I wouldn't think Jewish people would like to go to camps. And I'm like, oh my God, dude. And I fucking <laughs> lost it, right? I had to pull over and I was just... I couldn't believe it. And, and, but she totally innocently had no idea what she was talking about. She's like, Oh no, I just no. thought that they were like all nerds and like, you know, not athletic and outdoorsy type people. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, you're just digging yourself into a deeper, I mean, I guess deeper if, hole here. If we have to be subject to stereotypes, stereotypes that dictate you're all supposed to be doctors and accountants aren't the worst ones, but still. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a youth lawyer camp or anything, right. you know, like, youth I mean, lawyer camp. I mean, dude, sounds you, like something some kids I knew would have gone there though. For those yeah. that don't know, right. those that don't know, Steve is Jewish. Uh, mostly anyway, yeah. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> last, last time I checked. <laughs> right. I am from a mixed family, but still. Oh, oh man. Steve, you must have gone to some summer camps being a rich kid, right? Yeah, I went to I went to day camp that I didn't re- – well, I went to sleepaway camps too, but I went to day camp for years when I was younger that I didn't really realize was like a privileged kid camp until I was way older and then other people started pointing it out to me. Oh, you went to the Adams Family Values <laughs> camp? It, so that was – some of the sleepaway camps I went to were not that dissimilar from that unfortunately. But uh, so there's a school – it doesn't exist anymore. There was a school in Topanga Canyon called Meadow Oaks. It's, the campus is now owned by, by Viewpoint. I actually went to school there too. During the summertime, the property got leased out to uh, be used as a, uh, a summer camp. And this place was crazy. It was way up. I went to tools, tutoring schools like this. They were way up in Topanga Canyon. It must have been dozens of acres. There were areas where they had classrooms. But Meadow Oaks had, Meadow Oaks had a whole Tom Sawyer's Island area with marshes and gold panning and a bridge that spanned an artificial lake. They had horse riding rings and an Olympic sized swimming pool in one area. And it was, I mean, you had to go up and down a portion of the, it's actually, it was actually up in old Topanga Canyon, uh, very near where Jonathan was just talking about. And, um, I got to go to day camp there when I was really young, when I was little than my parents really wanted to send me away to, to a sleepaway camp. And 
it was a ton of fun, but I didn't, honest to God, I didn't realize until I was probably 14 or 15 years old that it was the kind of camp that you had to sort of be privileged to be at. Because you grow up around kids who are from the same background as you and you just figure out oh, this is normal, you know. We're the honors and directors here at Camp Chippewa, America's foremost facility for privileged young adults. But then I got sent to sleepaway camps and the sleepaway camps, I guess, were where the crazier stuff happened. But it was it was things like I walked in on two of the counselors humping in one of the cabins. We were all supposed to be at a, at a dance for the, the school, the camp kids. And they thought and I had to run back to the cabin for something. I'd left something in a bag that I wanted to show or share with one of the other kids. And the two of them were in there not expecting anyone to come back. And uh, that was that was cool. I got to see a pretty attractive female counselor half naked. Yeah. <laughs> Yahtzee. Yahtzee, right? You know. A couple of walking stereotypes, those two. Right. Yeah, it very much is one of those like Crystal Lake type situations, right. you know, where if there'd been a guy in a mask around, that would have been the first cabin he'd found. One of them was Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, it turns out I just dreamt about being in Flashdance or something. <laughs> oh, my dad worked on Flashdance and he used to come home every night and tell my mother it was the stupidest thing he'd ever seen. He was sure it was going to flop and then it turned into a huge success. The lead in that is in the new Book of Boba Fett series. Did oh. you know that? She's a Twi'lek. Really? Yeah. So when, Jennifer when Grey, I think. When it's done and you watch it, you'll see her. She's, <laughs> she's pretty prominent so far. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only waiting for the first season to run out so I can just binge my way through it. But man. When I was yeah. a kid, I went to this camp and uh, I had a friend. Uh, he was like the, the smart, nerdy kid. He's called Sponge. And then I had this other friend that was kind of like a big, heavy kid called Donkey Lips. <laughs> it was called <laughs> Camp Onawana. Did you ever get awful waffled there? I did, actually, Oh, yes. God. I used to have these nightmares about this uh, local legend around the camp. He was like a creepy figure that had died there. He was the old janitor. He was. <laughs> did that camp make you want to fart? <laughs> it did make me want to fart. It's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. Did you guys ever watch Hey Dude on Nickelodeon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. And then uh, what's Ben Stiller's wife's name? She was on it. She she was in Zoolander with him too. I'm, I don't mean it to be a jerk. She I just I can't remember. Yeah, right now, the but, Jan uh, Brady. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, my, one one of our trips to, we used to go to Arizona. It's not worth explaining why. But one of our trips to Arizona, we went we we stayed a night at they, they actually had a hotel that was on that property. They filmed the show on a on a piece of property. It was really a hotel most of the time. My my younger brother had a lot of difficulty processing that it wasn't actually the camp. From the show, my parents had to explain to him two or three times that they just filmed the show there. <laughs> Wasn't her name Bud on the show or something? I think like her that? name was Melody on the um, show. Yeah, but yeah. Like You're that. thinking of Bud Nick from my <laughs> Camp on Awana story. Yeah, he looked like a bitch too. I, I was about to. Right? <laughs> I was about to get to Zeke the plumber, but I think that part goes without saying. Oh, you yeah. know what, dude? <laughs> Budnick's always good in my book, man, because he uh, in Terminator Two, he yes. bailed his homie out, man. He ain't no fucking snitch ass bitch, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't know him. Yeah, you know, right. there's this cop here scoping for you. <laughs> and yet, when John goes to warn somebody at the payphone, he decides to call the the foster parents he hates instead of the friend that bailed them out. You know, but whatever. So let's review Terminator 2 again. <laughs> I, I just rewatched it. It's fine with me. <laughs> I'd love to get back into that one. I wasn't here for the first one. <laughs> we can do Terminator 3. <sighs> Come on. Yeah, actually, it's not a bad we, one We got to gotta keep going through the Terminator movies, man. You know what? Of all the sequels, that is the one I have the most... Well, aside from 2, that's the one I have the most to say about and the, the least difficult time sitting through, even though it's not very good. Do you so. like the part when he's like, 
talk to the hand. Yeah, that's definitely not one of the things that makes that movie bad. <laughs> Christine Taylor. There you go. Thank yeah. you, Christine and Taylor. She was Melody, and I, I was thinking of Brad, not Bud. There's a girl named Brad. Yeah, yeah, the the, yeah. the, the brunette. She yeah. was pretty too. Yeah, Kelly Brown. There you go. I but, liked both of them as a kid. But yeah, Christine Taylor, man, whoa, she's a smoke Oof, show. Still, absolutely. Man. Oh, in uh, Dodgeball. Yes. Yeah. Talk about aging well. God damn. Right? I'm not a lesbian. I'm bisexual. <laughs> I hate that fucking line. It we too. I'm sorry. It's such so a, what? It was such still a jerk hot. off line. It's like, okay. Oh, oh, I like the original ending of Dodgeball. So I had the DVD right. and like the original ending. You remember when Ben Stiller wins, but it's actually a foul. He was over the line. Oh, so yeah. they have to go into sudden death. The end of the movie, like the alternate ending, is that Ben Stiller throws the ball, wins, and then he picks up the trophy and holds it and the movie ends. <laughs> that is so fucking funny. Like the reverse karate kid, you know? Like <laughs> Right? What a shitty ending. Dude, that one is that's funny. No, I, I like the the meltdown where like at in the credits where he's like huge and grotesque and like eating <laughs> all the ice cream and stuff that like that. That is worth it. You're right. That's yeah. that that's good. Yeah. Did you ever see the descent? So one of the, the group of women are trapped in that cave. And yeah, yeah, yeah. First half, great. Second half, not into yeah, it. Yeah, not a, not a very good movie. But I think I remember reading that the... Maybe I'm confusing. If I remember the movie correctly, and I've only seen it once, at the end, one of them gets out. And they leave it kind of ambiguous as to whether or not she really gets away. But I think the original ending for that, she was going to get all the way out and start celebrating and then get get eaten by something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a very... <laughs> old school style of exactly. horror movie twilight ending. zone trope you know yeah almost like texas chainsaw but i think one woman does get away in that but maybe more like like hills have eyes or um oh yeah what's that rob zombie movie um house of a thousand corpses yeah, yeah. like that but anyway yeah. don't want to get too far off track so <laughs> this movie camp nowhere 1994 it mm-hmm. was requested by a listener Jason Warren Smith on Instagram suggested that we do a podcast on this movie. So I want to say a quick shout out to Jason. What's up, Jason? Thank you for suggesting it. You're cool. We like you. <laughs> Anything to say, Jonathan? Whether we like him or not, it's pretty subjective. Okay. <laughs> Jonathan's not on board. Jonathan's on the fence. You got to win him over. We're going to need to ask this guy a few questions. <laughs> yeah, we need to get you know to know you a little bit. Hey, hey, Jason, why don't you go ahead and type up your review of this movie and put it on the comments of YouTube? Yes. Please. I want to know what Jason thinks about Blade Runner. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Captain Bryant's in this movie, so. All right. <laughs> so the point I'm driving at here is August in 1994. Now, we've done a lot of movies from 1994 and 1995. That was Mostly 95. Year. 95 is like the year of big dumb movie movies. Yeah. But this one, we're going to play a little game. So I'm taking it back to what was in theaters at the same time as Camp Nowhere. Oh. But this, this is the trivia edition. Okay. So you guys can just say the answer. We'll see who knows these the most. So I'll give you guys some clues about movies that were potentially in theaters at or around the same time as Camp Nowhere. All right. So the first one up, I'm going to give you clues. Jim Carrey. That had to have been either The Mask or Ace Ventura. It is The Mask. That's yeah. one for Steve. Next one. Elijah Wood. Oh, I think I know, but do you want to give it a no. try? A radio flyer? Nope. Um, I'll give you next clue. Worst movie of all time. Worst movie of all time. So but he wasn't in Pluto Nash. Um, uh, boy, even I'm not sure I can come up with that one. 
travels around the country. North. Ooh, you were good. Boy, I forgot. You know, I, I don't actually hate that movie that much, but that's a different discussion. I hate it, but I don't hate it that much. Right? <laughs> that movie is a piece of shit. It's not good. I'll give you that. All right. This one is going to be a giveaway. A baby. A baby's day out? Yep. There you go. The next clue was going to be a, a favorite of, of Indians. Not Native Americans, but of people in India. This movie is extremely popular. Is it in really? India. Hugely. It's one of the most popular movies ever in India. I had no idea. Yeah. So it's also it's, Vern Troyer's professional debut in a film. Good point. It yeah. is. <laughs> so, so I actually have evidence to back that up. At my job, I have two coworkers that are from different regions of India. Right. And they both say that that's one of their favorite movies of all time. Really? They're right in our age group, too. They're both like 32-ish, 30, 32. And... They say wow. that's one of their favorite movies of all time. But it's not I, just anecdotally true. Like, I've looked this up online, and Roger Ebert has talked about, like, this is the biggest movie in India. It was at the time. Of all the films from America to permeate Indian culture, I wonder legitimately, sincerely, I wonder why that one. What did they say, Jonathan? Why did they say they like it? The comedy. What comedy? I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No fucking sense of humor in that country. A gorilla guess, suit is funny? Um, Lighting a man's dick what? on fire? They've got the most active movie industry in the world. They produce way more films than we do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I if, well, no we put out that. the quality like Baby's Day Out. Well, yeah. I mean, that's where you really get your money's worth is with films like Baby Day, Baby's Day Out. <laughs> Joe Montana. All right. I'm going to move on. Next <laughs> one. Tom Hanks. Oh. All right. Uh, Forrest Gump. Nailed it. That's okay. two to two. I was going to say Sleepless in Seattle. So. That was, I think, like 96, maybe. Was it? All right. This one you guys are going to both get quickly, so we'll see. Crimson Jihad. Oh, oh, God. Team David. America? No. <laughs> no, um, it was, oh, it's the Jihad. name of the terrorist group in the movie, and now I can't think of the name of the movie. Street Fighter? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I don't know. Uh, James Cameron. That wasn't... True Lies? Yeah, there Boom. you go. Jonathan is in the lead. We should review that one, by the way. Yes. As soon as it's I, available to stream somewhere, we I will do that. I fucking love that movie. Next one is Christopher Lloyd and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Christopher Lloyd and Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Dennis the Menace? Nope. Shit. Jonathan was involved in the Big Dumb Movie podcast on this movie, but Steve wasn't there. What was he in with Christopher Lloyd? Tony Danza. There's a movie with Tony Danza in it. There's a good chance he's, uh, even I've never seen it. Um, uh, I was on the pod reviewing this? Yeah. Christopher Lloyd and Joseph Gordon. I need another Roger. Oh, wait, no. Oh, Angels in the Outfield. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know what's funny is I was thinking about that movie anyway because I'm pretty sure... What's his name? Joseph Lebrecht, Patrick Lebrecht, the kid who plays the clerk in the grocery store in this movie was in that. Okay. Yeah. Damn it. I can't believe I didn't get that. Next one. SNL movie. It's Pat. Boom. Yeah. Oh, no. Of course. Of course, Corey brought up It's Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Next one up. Superhero movie not based on a comic book. Original concept superhero movie. Was it Blank Man? Boom. Yeah. (laughs) I actually liked that movie. 
Me too. Yeah. I guess you could say it's loosely based on Batman. Yeah, yeah. You know, for 94, especially for, an, I was 11, I thought it worked. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. Look at you, Steve, running away with the lead. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't think of true lies and you got it. So yeah, there you go. Actually, it's all tied up four to four. Uh, oh, there you go. Next one. Hillary Swank. Boys Clueless? Don't Cry? Clueless? Not, neither oh, of those. Not. Pat Morita. Though the next Karate Kid. I forgot that was 94. There we go, Steve. You're one point ahead. Couple oh more God. left. Polly Shore. Biodome? Nope. In the Army now. Doom. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to write your... See what I get for being polite with <laughs> mic time over here? <laughs> right? I'm sorry. You can treat... I'll get you the next one first. <laughs> no, that's okay. This one, I know who's going to get this one. Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler. Oh, oh airheads! Yeah, I knew. I thank you. I, I didn't want to take that one. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, that's it's a such great a guilty movie. pleasure. It is. It is. And I, I, oh, Brendan Fraser is such a mess now. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I feel bad for that guy. Why? He he had a horrible divorce. His wife really bilked him out of a lot of money, and it turned into a mess. And now he's. I, I mean, I'm not really one to talk with the belly I've got, but he's, like, really overweight now. Dude, he's, like, 300-plus, yeah. for sure. When he was yoked in uh, um, George of the Jungle. Look, I don't want to fat-shame the man, because, honestly... No, I don't want to either. He's a legend. He is, He's an, and he's supposed to be such a nice fucking guy. That's part of why I feel bad. He really got racked in that divorce. And it really was not, it was, I, from what I've heard, it was the wife that really, anyway... Quick side note, I've been watching Doom Patrol on HBO Max, you know, the oh, DC. Yeah. And uh, he is the highlight of that show by far. He, would, he's, he does yeah. voice acting mostly. Right. He does do physical appearances as well, but his voice acting is phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's a good actor, you know, absolutely. And he was, he was in so many fun movies. Can we get George of the Jungle on the list? Definitely. Oh, I, I fucking love that, that one. Movie, Steve will not appear, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Me, you, and Josh. All right. Uh, Last one up. Spanky. Little Rascals. Yeah. All right. You guys are dead even. So we're going to end this one on a tie because I didn't write down any more. <laughs> <laughs> six to six. You guys killed it. You guys are good at this shit. I'm all right. Um, Great job, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. You too. So, Steve, how the hell was this movie made? I would love to tell you if I knew. I really don't know. You weren't um, on the production team? No, I wasn't. You know, this one they didn't invite me to at 11. I just wasn't producing all that many movies. And here I thought you were a prodigy. Right? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't take the prodigy status away from me. I just wasn't involved with this one. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I, I've never had the opportunity or really, if I'm being honest, a tremendous amount of inclination to learn much detail about the background of this film. And when I went looking online, it turns out there's... Virtually none at all. I mean, even the IMDb trivia section had nothing in it. Not that that trivia section is particularly reliable, because it, it kind of isn't. But I did discover there's a Blu-ray release with the commentary, so anyone who's really interested might be able to get a hold of the Blu-ray, but I don't know what the content of that commentary is. What I can tell you is that... Um, it was directed by a guy named Jonathan Prince. Prince is... This is the only film that Prince ever directed, but he has done a tremendous amount of TV... He works as a writer, producer, and director in TV. Um, it was written by a couple of guys named Andrew Kurtzman and Elliot Wald, who I think met each other writing for SNL in the early 80s, from what I can gather. The two of them really have mostly only written TV content themselves. The only other film credit to their respective names 
1996 Tom Arnold feature called Down Periscope, which is not a great thing to have on your resume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than that, not a whole lot, really nothing I know about the production or the like director, producer slash. I can tell you that uh, our, our main character, Mud, was played by Jonathan Jackson. This was his debut role as the first film he'd ever been in. Um, although he's worked really consistently since then. He's been on dozens of episodes of General Hospital and a show called Nashville. Much closer to You're in My Heart, I know he actually played Kyle Reese on a few episodes of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Riding the Bullet, that Stephen King adaptation. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he was also in a movie that was adapted from a book called Tuck Everlasting about an immortal kid. And I don't remember very much about it, but I do remember that the movie was sort of controversial because it dealt with like teenage sex or death or something like this. One of those, it was one of those books that like 13 and 14 year olds were reading a lot of and a lot of parents didn't want them to be. I don't know. Controversial maybe in the same way this movie is? Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe that's what it is. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's, you know, there's also the, the, the Zach character who we'll talk about. He's the, the, the kind of heartthrobby one in that group was played by an actor named Andrew Keegan. Keegan's done a pretty lot of work, but he, he got this part, basically this part a lot. He was constantly cast over a period of like 10 years during the nineties as the sort of handsome, self-absorbed kind of idiot in some cases. He also played Bianca's love interest in 10 Things I Hate About You, which is almost the exact same part, but just a few years later. Right. I did not catch her in the movie. I wasn't looking very closely, but I did discover this is apparently the first film Jessica Alba was ever in. I saw her. Okay, yeah, yeah I didn't notice her, but I guess I did read what happened. Apparently, they cast her to be a background extra and some other girl dropped out, so she got a more front-facing part. She also went on to... Uh, uh, the same year, I didn't realize, was in an episode of The Secret World of, of Alex Mack. And um, 20 years later, in 2014, her and Christopher Lloyd both reappeared in a Sin- one of the Sin City movies. But uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't really have a lot of, lot of background. I think honor- a couple honorable mentions here real quick. Um, M. Emmett Walsh plays the, the debt collector who spends his film looking for Lloyd's character, who we'll talk about. Walsh had a massive movie career. He's probably best known, among other things, for having played Captain Bryant in Blade Runner and in being like probably four dozen other movies. There's also a brief appearance from Burgess Meredith, who people might remember either as the Joker from the old Batman TV show or... uh, No, that was Cesar Romero. He was Penguin. Excuse me, he was Penguin. And uh, More importantly, Rocky, though, right? Yeah, Mickey from the Rocky movies. And then uh, Tom Wilson, who was Biff in the BTTF movies, Back to the Future movies, has a has a, a part in the film, so that's him and, and Lloyd working together again, which is kind of fun. But yeah, not a whole lot else production-wise for this movie. A few little other trivia items I'll probably pepper in as we go along. Well, let's get into the movie itself. Jonathan, this movie opens up with a camp introduction VHS tape that is being actually narrated by a person, not the tape itself. Seems kind of strange, but what do you think of the opening? It couldn't be any more 90s at all. Like, you have this salesman doing a video presentation before PowerPoint was a thing, right? Like, why didn't this fucking computer nerd invent PowerPoint back then, (laughs) you know? Fuck, man. You got a sick-ass computer camp. Yeah, seriously. Fake nerds. But 
it, it, it couldn't be any more 90s. It's like you have that old school television still, a big, a big tube TV, I guess. What, is that what they call it? VHS player. They're sitting around talking about going to Mike Camp Micro Chippewa. Some, <laughs> yeah. some, Micro Chippewa. Yeah. So Camp Chippewa was the camp in the Adams Family Values. Yes. This camp is Micro Chippewa. And later on, when they make up the fake computer camp for Mud, the name they use is, is I think, oh, I wrote it's it. Binary Pines. Binary Pines, which is a, a flash on Twin Pines Mall from Back to the Future. Or Lone Pine, depending on the timeline. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> if your son goes to Camp Micro Chippewa, he'll learn more than just computer skills. How about basketball? That's right. Learn to shoot like Hakeem and the Shack. once Counselor Dave shows you the trajectory. If you're hungry... Fridays are International Fiesta Days, featuring foods from all over the world, including this favorite from Italy, pizza. Whoops. It's awards day already. The summer sure has flown by. At Micro Chippewa, you'll leave with good friends, good memories, and a better understanding of the job skills of the future. That's right, who says computers have to be boring? At Micro Chippewa Computer Camp, we say that computers are really not boring. Boy, I wish they had camps like that when I was a kid. <laughs> sounds great. Huh, Mars? It sounds fantastic. I'm in hell. Shoot me. This is where we meet Morris, a.k.a. Mud, which are two other... Awful, awful 90s names, just like uh, Roger. <laughs> Roger and Mud. They yeah. probably hang out after school, you know? Right. You know, we've got this, like, I'm trying to paint a picture here, and you've got, everybody's got long hair, as far as the kids go anyways, and they're wearing flannels and leather jackets and baggy pants. I, I mean, this was a, a trend that was definitely dear to my heart. As oh, God, I grew yeah. up in that. I mean, we all did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that grunge era, man. Yeah. It was like you wanted to be grungy, but still clean. Yeah. You know? I mean, Corey was definitely grunge for sure right. when we were that age, but. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. He was as grunge as it got. Mud, uh, Mud's got some unique hair, you know? He's, I like his hair. He's got the, uh, it's kind of like. It's not a mullet. It's medium in the front and long in the back. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I knew a few kids that time that were cutting their hair. It was a popular hair hairstyle if you could pull it off back then, at least amongst that age group. Those kids would have been, I think, maybe two years older than I was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Keegan. You talked about him earlier. Yeah. He plays Zach, who is like, like you said, the kind of like the bully tough guy kid. I mostly know him not from acting roles so much, but more from just being on Teen Girl magazine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was one of those faces along with like Jonathan Taylor Thomas and a young Leo DiCaprio. This is like the last breadth of magazines like 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 uh, oh God, Tiger Beat or whatever it was called. And Teen, but there were a bunch of that had started in the early 80s and were pretty much gone by the late 90s that were really just girl magazines for teen heartthrob actors. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, they always had their face on the cover with the hand under their chin and looking super demure, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I remember all the girls at school having those magazines yeah. and they would, like, trade around. And, yeah, exactly. And, oh, you got the new one. Oh, let me have that one then. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I remember a counselor of mine in high school had pages from from an issue from like 1985 on the wall in her office, and I learned at some point it was because her daughter, who was several several years older than me, had been interviewed for an issue with a magazine about why she thought some hair rocker was cute. You know. <laughs> uh. 
So there's kind of a, a diverse group of friends in this movie, and I think they're in middle yeah. school, if the yearbook cover is to be believed. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be 14-ish, which would be, yeah, middle school or, or like either the last year. Yeah, eighth grade, right before high school, 13, 14, 12 to 14, somewhere in that range. Varying but, ages between some of them, yes. yeah. Yeah, I think some are a little younger than others. But yeah, it's a really diverse group, and... and um, you know, that's that's such a subject of conversation today. It should be. But like, you know, I'm looking back. It's like this is a pretty well represented swath of, of people here. If that idiot Epstein gives us another grammar quiz, I swear I'm going to wind up in English as a second language. Are you allowed to take it over in summer school? I'm already going to summer school. Another computer camp? Yep. My parents won't be happy till I'm the poster child for the Adopted Dork Foundation. Yeah, well, better than Camp Broadway. Did you get that clear silk commercial? Well, I'm up for SpaghettiOs extra meaty. Trey doll. Oh, Gabby, when's your mom leaving for the islands? Right after she puts me on the bus to Camp Slenderella. Oh, gross. Celery sticks and rice cakes again? Prison food. How may you, Twinkie? Thanks for waiting, guys. Yeah, well, you were busy with your new delinquent friends. Trish, we're not delinquent friends. Oh, yeah? Then how come you get into military camp every summer? Because you like the haircuts? It was kind of strange because Trish was like, she came from such a strong, like wealthy background right. that like those parents that were not present in her life, except <laughs> for what their aspirations were for her. Right. Right. Like. And so they, they just really weren't involved. Her dad was not involved. He, he thought that she was going to fucking horse riding camp <laughs> or something. And then you've got Zach who basically has like no parent mention at all in the movie. Right. And mud who his parents just want him to go to computer camp. Like it's just such a like weird, diverse mixture, but it, right. The only explanation that I could come up with was that they grew up like in the same neighborhood, right? Yeah. Like maybe they were all neighbors and, and they grew up together and that explained the age differential. But yeah. then again, you have Trish who is probably living up on the hill a little <laughs> higher than the other ones were, you know? Yeah. yeah and it, so it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of threw it off. The high school that was nearest to me for a long time growing up when I was a kid pulled from an odd collection of neighborhoods and then ended up you ended up with a, a lot of different slices because of that because some of the kids came from neighborhoods where the homes were at least relatively very expensive but there were also a lot of kids who came from definitely lower income homes in other neighboring areas and so it was an interesting swath to see and I don't mean that as a knock to anyone it's just it, I think in you do end up in some of those environments where the demographics are right and the school is in just the right place where you get kids who maybe are from somewhat different backgrounds all collecting together. I could definitely relate to Mud as a kid yeah, because he is involved in many groups, like in different, you know, types of kids. Like he's actually friends with more than one yeah. type of kid, you know, yeah. but also he's somewhat of an outcast in each group he's in because yes. of that. And that was something I could relate to in my own life for sure. I think so as well. I, I never felt like I was a full member of almost any of those groups. I always felt like I could kind of float around the fringes of two or three of them. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always on the outskirts. Ugh. But Christopher Lloyd, the legendary. Oh, God, he's Christopher so Lloyd, good. He's also in this movie. Steve, what's he doing? A fish and cheese presentation? Not only the best tasting pasteurized, processed, non-dairy imitation semi-cheese product, but also the health is. 
I'm not a licensed physician, but I've been in my share of free clinics. Each serving of miracle cheese contains no sodium, no glucose, no mucose, and absolutely no cholesterol. Let's talk about breadstick safety. Your basic sesame breadstick. No, it looks harmless enough. But what if you lose control at high speed? Yeah, they find him. The, these kids have all, they've gotten out of school. They're discussing their parents' various camp plans for them, none of which of them are, are happy about this. And they, they end up at the mall together, which is perfect. I mean, the mall rat scene was at its absolute peak in 94, and I certainly spent a lot of time there. And um, I, I have to say, before we get to the larger point of the scene, that part, just for that specific nostalgia, might be my favorite part of the whole film. Like, 94 Mall... And the people milling around, and it's just it's it's so much like yes, I remember any kid who lived near a mall in '94. Like that's a relatable scene, and it, there's something kind of comfy and nostalgic and heartwarming about remembering that. But yeah, they're in the mall together, and they discover no, actually no, they weren't in the mall together. Morris Mudd is in the mall with his dad, and uh, sorry about that, but yeah, he's in the mall, and he sees a man giving a very charismatic presentation at a kiosk about canned cheese, cheese whiz or whatever it was. And Morris finds the guy fascinating and I guess kind of recognizes him because later on when he's talking to the other kids about their camp plans, he pulls out a yearbook and points out that the guy he'd seen at the mall selling cheese had previously been a drama teacher at the school. And this, this is one of my favorite moments in the whole movie also because they, they all, they let you in on this knowledge that Dennis Wilker is his name, the drama teacher, had been let go from the school because he tried to stage a middle school musical version of The Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> which I think is really, really funny. And definitely something that a Christopher Lloyd-type drama teacher probably would have done. <laughs> Damn, fucking PC is taking over. You know, back in my day, they would have allowed Silence right. of the Lambs. Oh, you know, but absolutely, I just found it amusing that, like, the teacher would try to turn a Silence of the Lambs into a middle school musical. It sounds really funny to me. But. He's a visionary. That's a great idea. I'm right. for it. <laughs> I'd be on that PTA advocating. <laughs> absolutely. But You'd be advocating. I'd be contributing. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan would be eating faces. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's Lecter right there. Uh. I'd be auditioning, motherfucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> But that becomes the catalyst for the rest of it because they realize that Wilker is a dramatic person prone to weird behavior and might be somebody they can use to their own ends. At least blackmail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, so each kid is going to go to a camp they don't want to go to, right? So Mud's going to go to nerd computer camp. Right. Sounds kind of cool to me, but whatever. It actually did sound kind of cool, yeah. <laughs> Hackers. <laughs> the bully kid... Zach yeah, is going to yeah. go to military camp because he's a fuck up. Uh, Prissy Rich Girl is going to go to drama camp because whatever, stereotypes. Well, and I, that, I like that development with her because even she doesn't really want to go. Right. You know, she, she tells the other, the other girl in their group that like it's just this competitive group of Prisses all bragging about which parts they got. And even she doesn't really want to go there. Like, yeah. For sure. And then the last one was... Uh, diet camp i guess they're gonna send her to heavyweights yeah, camp can i just can i i i don't want this to come up being weird but i want to mention that because even as an 11 year old when i saw this film it really bothered the hell out of me the girl they cast to play that part is not chubby 
Thank you. I don't understand it. The girl they cast to play that part is slim. She doesn't need to go to a diet camp. She isn't even an ounce overweight based looking. And then later in the movie, when her mother shows up, she's like, you look so so skinny. She hasn't lost any weight at all. No, she just changed her outfit. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't understand why they would write that character in that way and then not cast a girl who was actually, and I don't mean it in a mean way. I really don't. But then cast a girl who's actually a little bit chubby so that the story is believable. The girl they cast wasn't overweight. No, she just wears a lot of layers. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, Jonathan, their plan, okay? Of course, it's a 90s kids movie. They come up with a plan. There's like a bingo fucking moment where they're like, <laughs> you know what? Let's take the money that we were going to use for camp, rather that our parents were going to use for camp, and let's start our own camp. Kid-run camp. No rules, motherfucker. Anyway, so after all that, he lays the money guilt thing on me. You know, camps cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. I say give me the money, I'll buy a Harley, I'll be out of your way the whole summer. For that kind of money, we could just rent our own camp. I buy a new wardrobe. Whoa, whoa, what'd you say? Uh, I said for that kind of money, we could rent our own camp. It's brilliant. It's deranged. It's suicide. Besides, we need an adult to pull it off. Four adults, one for each camp. The one really twisted one. And who's gonna rent a cabin? What did you just say? Did you guys hear about the guy who taught drama before Mr. Ellison? Yeah, my sister had him. Trey Bazaar, she said. He tried to do Silence of the Lambs as a musical. Anyway, he got fired and left town. Yeah, well, he got fired, but I'm not so sure he left town. Okay, well, first of all, I've got major plot holes with this okay <laughs> yes how do well i guess let me explain the the idea behind this first so the kids decide that they are going to pitch to their parents with the help of dennis acting as a a i guess a representative from each of the respective camps that they want the to go to yeah or that their parents want them to go to and going to get them to go to a different camp than they normally do. But what I have a problem with is how the hell did all of these kids get their parents to hand over cash and checks and whatever cash actually like just most cash. of the time. Yeah. Most of them, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to guess most of it was cash. Like people just didn't have 3000, $5,000 for summer camp, just sitting around like that just seems so odd. Well, I mean like, I know that it cost my parents to send my brother and I to these sleepaway camps, but it never, if somebody had shown up at the house and told my father that they wanted the three grand per kid in cash presented directly to them, that would have been the moment that camp was no longer an option. That's, that's a con, obvious con. In a briefcase, please. In a briefcase, yeah. Can I please, I'm going to show up personally and get $3,000 from you in cash. You don't send a check addressed to the camp. You don't get to meet an administrator or someone who handles the money. It's just me. I'm going to take cash from you. In a briefcase. By the way, you've never seen the camp property or met anyone else who works there. I don't have any videos or pictures or brochures or pamphlets. I just have, here's me. An adult you've never met before has shown up and told you they want three grand to take your kid away for weeks. And you're just like, here's money. Right. If this movie was made today, it would be like they conned their parents into paying them $3,000 to take their kids away to a (laughs) sex trafficking ring or something for the summer. Like. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable, this, <laughs> right? this concept of well, how Allison they got Mack this Well, Allison Mack is in this movie. <laughs> Dude. So maybe, yeah. maybe. 
I like I was gonna wait till the end of the mention that, but her and Keegan Zach both ended up in weird religious cults. His wasn't as we- as bad as hers, but he started yeah. one. He started one, yeah, and then they got busted for selling kombucha. But <laughs> no way. I swear to God. I didn't know there was controversy in his. I thought his was just like spiritual he, meditation. Yeah, I mean, look, in fairness to Keegan, his really was very benign. It was, I mean, it was misguided and a little weird, but it was basically just new age stuff. There was nothing malicious about it, but they they were they were brewing and selling kombucha, and technically you have to have a like a food and beverage license to do it. So the organization got in trouble. But that's that is far and away from what Mac's group was involved in. Jonathan, do you know about <laughs> Allison Mac? I literally just heard about that like the other day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so for those that don't know, so she's one of the little girls in the movie. Has a few lines, not a major player, a minor player. I had to definitely. figure out who she was in the movie. It took me a little while to figure out it was that girl. Yeah. She was also in Smallville. So she was yeah. most known for that. Like that was her big role. Uh, she joined... A religious cult. They weren't called a cult at the time, of course. None of them are. No, they never call themselves a cult. Right. (laughs) It's called Nixium. Yeah. Now, there's a great, like, 11-part documentary or something like that on HBO about Nixium. Basically, it's a rip-off Scientology. Yeah. So they take a lot of stuff that Scientology does, and they kind of of rename it and revamp it. Um, They call it, like, processing, I think. But what, what they eventually led to is... Basically, like, trafficking women to the leader. Basically making them kind of like sex slaves in a way. Allison Mack apparently came up with the idea of branding these women. And the other people just were like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's brand them all like their cattle. And the women let it be done to them. Right. How brainwashed did they Well, they they were very brainwashed. They were convinced that it was empowering and all this stuff. They go deep, deep into it in these documentaries, but... I mean, even from a man's perspective, letting a guy brand you as his personal sex slave is probably not empowering. Like... Well, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) They were mistaken, as it turns out. Yeah, they were mistaken. (laughs) And there was also, like, some part of where they... they, um, made you divulge some sort of like secret information about yourself to hold that against you too. Right. Yes. Like to so, help bla- so you blackmailed right? yourself against yourself. So the idea is you have to confess things to them. They record that information and then it's always kind of held over your head. So like right. you, there's a concern that if I leave, this information will be revealed. Like and- they're going to tell everyone John Travolta is actually gay. <laughs> oh, you're one of the people that thinks he's gay? No, I don't actually, but that's the rumor. I mean, I, I, you're probably more aware than I am. They, they, there's sort of common knowledge, at least at one level, that, that Scientology does that with at least some of its members. And there's an extension of that rumor that is probably not true, that one of the pieces of information they have is that Travolta is actually gay. I never bought the Travolta gay thing. I don't think I buy it either. The same rumor with, they had the same rumor with uh, Tom Cruise. But I'm like, the, that's was always it, was the it thing. one of them like yeah, busted so, for, or supposedly busted in the tabloids for like asking massage therapists to jerk them off or something? I think that was true. Yeah. yeah they were, and I know, I know idea if it was true. I just know they were claiming it. It was but, like tabloid shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's aside from the fact that neither of them, well, I don't want to phrase it that way, but aside from the fact that I don't believe that that's true, why would either of them hide it? It's not like the entertainment industry is historically unfriendly to gay people. I yeah. Mean, well, that's not entirely true. It kind of was at one point, but not now. Being gay in Hollywood now is not going to destroy your career. Well, now that the wine so. stains are taken out, so, you know, they're probably okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, don't, don't want to go too much into cults. We can maybe later, yeah. but we'll see. 
Okay, so they're gonna form their own camp. Now, a lot of other kids get involved outside of our main group of friends because someone hears about it, he tells a friend, they tell a friend. At the end of it, there's like, what, 30 kids involved in this scheme, Steve? Yeah, it's a pretty big group. I mean, it's got to be at least 30 of them. Some points during the, the real wild camp scenes, it looks like it may even be 50, 60, 70 of them. Because Walter finds out somehow, I can't remember how, but Walter finds out that Mud and his friends are, are doing this. And then he tells the redhead that he's got a crush on because she had previously told him some probably bullshit story about skinny dipping at summer camp. And he's convinced that if he can get her to a camp with them, that the two of them will get the skinny dip together. And apparently her character is a bit of a gossip, and then she goes and tells, like, 20 other kids. Okay, so should we get this out of the way, the whole, like, horniness aspect of Walter? Yeah, I mean, we, we as well, it, it, yeah. Walter, if you tell anyone, I'm going to glue your mouth shut. Look, I won't tell. As long as you let me come. No. Okay, if I don't go, you don't go. All right, but you can't tell anyone. Mom? Walter, who'd you tell? Just based story. You know the red-haired girl in BioLab? You idiot! I Come on, at her old camp, they used to go skinny dipping. This kid is the horniest kid in cinema history. Yeah, like, especially in a Disney film. I cannot think of another Disney movie from any time at any place where there was a kid trying to get laid that hard. Well, no one will find us if we're inside watching TV. Well, gee, don't you want to do some swimming? The lake's really warm this time of year. No, I don't want to do any swimming. Well, they did slap the Hollywood Pictures title on this. So That's it, true. It doesn't open with the Disney, um, like Heavyweights does. You like are the right. The Disney logo. I hadn't thought about it that. It gives us true. Hollywood pictures. So they, they they probably, you know. Yeah, and that's what Hollywood pictures in Buena Vista were for, really, is so they could lay out stuff they didn't want to produce with Disney's name on it. But every time we see this kid, it's yeah. him trying to see the redhead girl naked. Yeah, exactly. I want to make a toast. Here is to diet shakes. Yeah! 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 And I say here's to Rogers and Hammerstein. Here's the swimming. Right, Betty? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, at 13, 14, I would have taken any opportunity I could have gotten, but I definitely wasn't that brazen about it. Jesus, like, this kid, man. Right? I mean, there was a lot of talk about a little bit of horniness throughout the movie anyways, because yeah. our, our character, Dennis, uh, you know, he explains to Mud that at some point he'll understand <laughs> why he was a lying sack of shit to the doctor and wanted to bring her over to bang her. One day he'll understand why I got to lie to women. Right. (laughs) Right. It is true. But I mean, apparently these kids already understand. It doesn't seem like they're behind at that, that rate. (laughs) I mean, speaking of the horniness, when they do get the camp, which they like rent out from some old dude that's oblivious, it's Burgess Burgess Meredith. Meredith. And I wait, uh, Dennis, the, so, Christopher Lloyd's character, who in the film is actually named Dennis, tells the Burgess Meredith character that his name is Mr. Vandersnatch, <laughs> which I think is great. Isn't isn't the old man also the um, dad from Grumpy Old, old Men? Men. Yeah, yes. yeah, he dies out on the lake. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That that's one of my favorite parts of his. It's so I, funny with Jack Lemmon's already like in his seventies and Burgess Meredith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I fucking oh. love that movie. It's great. <laughs> but they do get this camp, and it's just like immediate 90s kid chaos. But one of the things I was going to allude to earlier is like, one of the kids' things, like, he just has a stack of porn. Yeah, right? he's just got a bunch of Playboys. They can just, like, I totally never saw that. Loose. Oh, yeah. In, in like, right. a, like, a, like a chest or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, like, a box. Some kids are jumping on mattresses off the roof. They're doing kids. What are they doing, Steve? Burgess Meredith's character tells them that at one point in the 60s, this place had been used uh, as, like, a commune for hippies who basically, basically just hung out and did drugs and had sex. And uh, the kids sort of rekindle that spirit. They they find they start uh, doing drugs and having sex, <laughs> <laughs> right? Pretty damn close to it. Uh, the kids' version. They're eating a lot right. of junk food. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, and they they find a like uh, a, a bed sheet or something, big piece of fabric that's had the word nowhere spray painted on it with a peace symbol for the O. So they they hang that as their flag, and that's when it officially becomes Camp Nowhere. And they, they uh, paint up the buildings and start moving things around to their own pleasure. And they really make their own of the camp, which just then gets escalated again once they've all got their hands on, on money to spend. Jonathan, what do you think of uh, money, mud? It's a car. What a wreck. It's not a wreck. It's a classic. A classic. And we can rebuild the whole thing. But it's going to cost. How much money we got, mud? Well, I didn't exactly count it or anything. Jeez, oh. Mud, how much you got in there? Well, it's a lot. I mean, it's everybody's money for the whole summer. You know, I just thought I'd hold on to... Yeah, right. I think I'll just hold on to my own midget. No, Tim, I don't think that's such a good idea. Money, Mud. 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 Okay, so this was such a like odd, weird scene to me where you've got this 14 year old kid, Mud, assuming he's 14, has like $30,000 in his pocket in cash (laughs) and like they're in the dark walking through the woods like that shit should have been locked up somewhere. Like I understand as a kid, like you don't want something to disappear. So you just keep it on yourself. But like. At that age, if I had any money like that too, I'd be like, no, 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 I, I'm out doing shit. I'm putting this away and I'm hiding it, right? It, right. And so it was just so weird that like you know, they find this wrecked car in the in the trees or whatever, and and Zach seems to think that he could just fix it up and make it a new car, and then all the kids start chanting like money, mud, money, <laughs> mud, I, and they want to take all this money to fix this fucking car that none of these kids could do anything with anyway, and they want to splurge with it, yes. But at one point earlier in the film, when Mud is arguing with his father about having to go to computer camp, Mud's father responds by saying, don't you think there are other things I'd rather spend $3,000 on? So I didn't get an exact count, and maybe there are slightly fewer kids. But it looked to me, I would guess, that there were at least 30 kids in yeah. that group. So if you if we assume the number 30 is safe, and if we assume that their parents all pitched in three grand for them to be there, that's $90,000. Mud yeah. is carrying around ninety thousand dollars in cash in nineteen ninety four money. Don't forget the thousand dollars that he had to pay to Dennis, right? Oh, yeah. So, so eighty nine, eighty nine thousand dollars camp cost. Let's see. Let's estimate that. Like what for the summer to rent out the camp? That old fuck probably would have rented it out for, for probably like nothing. you know a a, a few twenty four packs of Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just sitting there drinking anyway, yeah. and he's, he's running down to Florida, but. I mean, okay, so let's say 
in 94 money, $2,000 to rent out that piece of shit camp. Let's say he used another three grand for their bus that they bought. I mean, okay, so we're at five grand total. So you still got $85,000. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, unreal. For 85,000 bucks in 1994, you easily could have bought a house or a condominium somewhere. Yes. You could have bought a brand new Porsche for $84,000 in 94. Like, (laughs) nuts. That is a nuts amount of money for 11, 12, 13 year olds to have in 1994. It's a nuts amount of money for a 12 year old to have now, but especially in 1994. Like, oh my God. So these kids go crazy with the money. Of course, it becomes blank check, but with a bunch of kids. And at least this time they're operating with a more reasonable amount of money, quote unquote, because blank check, the kid gets a million dollar check and then proceeds to spend what must have been five million (laughs) dollars buying things. There's no way a million bucks would have gone that far. Over the course of 48 hours. Exactly. But (laughs) but anyway. I wanted to know. So they had all these delivery trucks, right? Super soakers and Nerf guns and this and that, whatever. But did anybody catch... The snap-on tool truck. Yes. I have no idea why there would be a snap-on tool truck there. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. They sell, like, some of the most expensive, like, elite costing tools of all time. Like, people put on layaway one, like, socket wrench because the shits are so expensive. (laughs) So I I have no idea why they would even be relevant to being in that movie except for, like, you know, marketing. No, no, no. Yeah, the chainsaw as well. The chainsaw had nothing to do with snap-on tools. Nothing at all. But chainsaw, speaking of that, (laughs) like, why did it seem like every 90s kids movie needed to have a chainsaw? chainsaw? Like, was there some sort of, like technological advance for the chainsaw in the early 90s that they needed to be featured all the time and why was it always necessary for the person holding it to turn it on before exclaiming that they were holding it the guy powers it up and starts blaring it goes who ordered the chainsaw like yo you're the delivery dude don't start it up right also why does it have gas in it (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, Jonathan, we were obsessed with chainsaws. Do you remember in the 90s? Me and you would always talk about chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I, I worked a chainsaw into about every short story I wrote. Do you remember I used to write all the short stories? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There was always a chainsaw involved. <laughs> always. But like, I mean, it was just like such a like a, a, a weapon of mass destruction in, in that small circle at that time. I don't know. It's just like, it, there's got to be some sort of like, representation of, of power and noise and destruction or something that associates it to kids at that I think age. Beavis and Butthead might have uh, done, made the chainsaw thing as popular as it was. That probably helped. Yeah. They Beavis did talk Butthead. about watching Beavis and Butthead in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Name dropped. I'll do it again. I'll watch that movie anytime. I love Beavis and Butthead. I think when uh, Mud tells Christopher Lloyd, he's like, oh, we're going to go watch Beavis and Butthead. You want to come? He's like, no. And then he has like an introspective moment where he's thinking out loud. He oh, says, yeah. When we were in the 60s and we were talking about changing things, maybe we should have been more specific. specific. <laughs> yeah, and they probably should have. <laughs> but, yeah, but God damn, dude. 94, MTV was just on fire. Liquid TV and oddities, those shows were great. Anyway. So the kids are causing chaos. You guys talked about the toys. I'm going to get a little specific. In the truck, I saw the Nerf bow and arrow, which is one yes. I had. I love that. That comes back into play later for the military camp. Yes. Uh, they also have a bunch of super soakers. They had a lot of 250s, which I just thought were the shit. Yeah. Dude, everyone had a super soaker 50, which was like the little piece of shit one. Right. The rifle. How hot 
were Super Soakers. Oh, fuck, bro. I mean, Super Soakers were like the fucking Jordans for middle middle school kids at that time. Like, if you were anything as an 11-year-old, like an 11 to 14-year-old at that time, you had that. If you, it's like, wait, you don't have a Super Soaker? The fuck is wrong with your family? Where's I, your Super Soaker? Dude, I remember <laughs> block parties in Oxnard, Jonathan, where like groups of 20 kids would just have Super Soaker right? Wars. With like water balloon grenades and everything. And they For were sure. And they were absolutely the best either in the pool or at the beach because the water supply was right there with you. You just kept filling them up and blasting other kids in the eyes. We used to just go to neighbors' houses and fill it up at their hose <laughs> yeah, in the front did. yard. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I don't even know who these people are, but I'm taking your water. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Super Soaker has like some sort of legal responsibility in California drought <laughs> problems. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was just one of those weird things like airwalk shoes, like just. 90% of the people you walked by even if they weren't didn't have it with them at that moment they owned it oh Jonathan was all about the airwalks oh, I, I have plenty of airwalks yeah I refused to wear anything but airwalks and vans for like a year and a half at one point remember when we used to have soaps oh fuck yeah dude, those were <laughs> fucking awesome with the replaceable sliders oh yeah, yeah dude yeah man man those were Corey dope. couldn't skate but he could soap the shit out of a rail oh, you yeah. know, or a bench <laughs> God, I remember my multiple pairs of rollerblades that had the indent built into the axles for the rail grinding. Speaking of rollerblades, one of the kids jumps in the lake wearing rollerblades. Yeah. That's about the dumbest fucking thing I've ever right? seen in my life. That's worse than the than the fucking the- that's literally like like concrete shoes right there, you know, from the that mob. slept with the fishes. He's dead. <laughs> right, you're gone. I don't think we ever saw him again in the movie. He was done, yeah. Right? What happened to Kevin? Uh, Kevin's been dead for days. Let's see. They got uh, giant sandwiches. They got... Oh, that yeah. was cool, dude. Back when Subway, you could actually order by the foot. Yeah. Without yeah. feeling like a perv. That's another kind of 90s trope. I, 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 I can't think off the top of my head of any other movie where I saw it in, but I feel like a lot of the content I saw at that time featured like a six foot or larger Subway sandwich. You know what it is? It's because this movie and Heavyweights. Maybe that's what it is. Both have giant sandwiches. Yeah. Although it's way bigger in this movie. <laughs> Did you catch the amount of Diet Cherry Coke they advertised oh, in this movie? Yeah. And okay, so one of the things I noticed is super tiny, but so they're they're advertising Coke, right? But uh Mud makes a suggestion that one of the camp rules is if anybody finds a Taco Bell to let them know. <laughs> but Taco Bell's a Pepsi company. Yeah. So so I did kind of weird. That. That's interesting. What yeah. Pepsi, I, I, don't, I legitimately don't know. Did Pepsi own them yet at that point? Because Pepsi didn't invent them. Pepsi they, bought they them. They might not have yeah. at that did point. Did Pepsi buy all of Yum? Taco I mean, Bell and Jack, uh, not Jack. I think that's Pizza what Hut. it was, is they bought the corporate parent and just ended up owning that chain, those selected restaurants. There's like four of them, yeah. Yeah. I used to work for one of them. Right. When I was 18. <laughs> it's like Taco Bell and KFC. Yeah. A couple other ones like that. Because uh, Coke is still Jack in the Box. Yeah. And then some of them got resold. I think I think oh. KFC got resold to other owners at some point. Jack in the Box owns uh, Del Taco now. Yeah, they just, they just, they just bought, bought them. them. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they don't screw with the Del Taco menu. That Thursday taco deal is legit. <laughs> you know what I'm mad about the, the, the Del Taco is that they got rid of the big fat chicken taco. Yeah. Dude, it was like fucking people needed to be pc now you know <laughs> and so they couldn't call it a big fat chicken taco is that what it anymore. is was that i'm gonna is guess. that official or did you just that's what that? i made up <laughs> okay but i'm rolling with it you know i'm rolling with it yeah the word fat yeah you can't say it <laughs> it's the obese chicken taco 
Yeah. Seriously. No, it's a curvy chicken taco. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it's a thick, the thick chicken taco. It's the big, beautiful chicken taco. Yeah, it's big, but beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a BBW. It's, it's, a, it's a realistically shaped chicken taco. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there was one scene in there, and this, was, this goes back to right before the, the money mud, money mud scene. These kids were all like playing tag in the dark. Like, how cool was that? Like, I remember doing that as a kid, like in my neighborhood, out in the front yard, stuff like that, and playing hide and seek and tag, like after the streetlights were already on. Like, there was always that like rare summer occasion that your parents like let you stay out later. And like, you didn't dare come home because you knew if you went inside to go to the bathroom or get water or something, your parents were going to say, nope, it's too fucking late. You're you're staying in. You're done. Yeah, you're (laughs) done, dude. You're like, no, my friends are still out there, you know? So figure out which house you can use the bathroom in that without without being caught. Oh, dude, it was just bushes outside. (laughs) Bushes and hose water, dude. That's it. But that was such a like, like moment that stuck with me because I really (coughs) was fond of all of those like, youth memories like that you know like those were really special and you kind of forget about those you know like like you hear about there was one day that you just you and your friends didn't meet up outside sitting on the uh electrical transformer anymore and then it just didn't happen anymore it's 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 depressing to think about that specific point jonathan because uh it's like it's like those memes you see one day you and all your friends hung out for the last time and i hate thinking about that Absolutely. It's, and it's fucked because you never know that's what it is when it happens. Right. You know, you don't realize that's what it was until years have gone by and you look back at it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I think that's one of the hardest parts about getting older, you know? Like you, you don't plan sleepovers with your buddies anymore to play playstation all night you just get drunk and pass out and then you end up waking up there go fuck what did i do and there was never a point where you (laughs) made a conscious decision to make that change the change just happened yeah like yeah Yeah. it's very weird yeah but anyways i i really appreciated that moment with these kids because that was that was something that i did as a kid and I, i think that helped relate to a lot of the things these kids did Yes. Yeah. They really got it with the, the super soakers, the nerf guns, the, the games and like the, the wild, like freedom of eating whatever the fuck they wanted to eat with nobody telling them, um, like the kids with the, with the, the whipped cream pies, you know, like they had all these whipped cream on these plates and they just smashed their faces into them and then chucked it at the neighbor. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm assuming part of it may have been just because there there might have been a an issue with getting the company's permission. But given it was 94 and these kids were blowing so much money, it is kind of surprising. Nary a Super Nintendo or Genesis. There's no 32Xs making appearances or Sega CDs. You know, the kind of thing that a kid at that point with hundreds of bucks in their pocket really would go buy. There's one point where the twins are playing that video game, but the, the game they're playing looks like it was already 20 years old. In 1994, I have no idea where the hell they got it from. Yeah, like there were literally only like two electronics like stigmas in there. Which yeah. one was that huge TV that they had to cut yeah. into the cabin to Big get Sony in the door? TV. And and then they had the one where they were talking about like trying to start a campfire, and then it turns out, oh shit, they're just trying to get this tiny little TV, mm. like a nine inch TV, on just so they could watch 90210. Which know? kind of begs the question: What did they want the big projection TV for? Because they didn't have cable and they hadn't purchased any video game systems. Mm. So what are you doing with it? it? It was never brought up again. It was yeah. like one of those. It was what it's one of those impulse buys. Like I want the biggest TV I can get. Right. Like, that's such a that's such a 12, 13 year old like <laughs> purchase though. It is. 
Like I'll take uh, a pack of baseball cards, some Skittles, and that big fucker right there. Right? You know, that is kind. Of, you're right. There's kind of a surprising randomness to the way a kid that way will shop. A kid that age will shop if they're given enough money. Very in- incoherent shopping habits. <laughs> I do want to talk about the Star Trek connections of this movie real yes. quick, though, just because I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So there is a USS Enterprise toy. Like in the mix of all the toys coming off the truck. Mm-hmm. And I paused it and there's only one. A lot of the toys there's like multiples of. And I was like, that's interesting. And then I remembered that Christopher Lloyd was in Star Search Trek The Search Spock. for Spock. Yep. And he was the bad guy. He was the Klingon in that movie. Yes. And then I saw Kate Mulgrew, yep. who's Captain Janeway. She's like <laughs> the drama girl's uh, mother. mother. Yeah. And then later I saw Riker's beard show up. <laughs> Beard. Riker's beard makes an appearance shortly before the rest of Jonathan Frake shows up to fill it in. Yeah, I just saw a beard pop up and then a man filled in behind it. It's like the reverse invisible man. Yeah. So there's just a lot of Star Trek shit in this movie and I was like trying to find the connection. I was like, is this a Paramount movie? It wasn't. Right. No, no, <laughs> it's just, it just odd that it ended up that way. You know, and the weird coincidences like Lloyd and Alba ending up working together years later and yeah, it's funny how those kind of snuck their way. This, the, the Enterprise toy had to have been on purpose. Must Somebody had to have done that on purpose. Right. Uh. There was one point where they were dictating the letters to go back home to their parents. And they talked about one of the things to put yes. in the letters was watching Star Trek 4. Right. Yeah, yeah, the voyage home. Is that yeah. the one where he fights the big Russian? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Rocky. <laughs> Okay, time for another letter to our parents. The, the computer camp had a big pizza cookout on Friday. We watched Star Trek 4. Everybody seen that? Is that the one where he fights the big Russian guy? Arnold, that's Rocky 4. Honestly, that line has stuck with me my whole life. It's a good line. Yeah. No, yeah. that's Rocky 4. <laughs> Which, and Burgess Meredith. So there you go. God damn. Yeah. This is like a Kevin Bacon thing. <laughs> Six degrees of Rocky or Star Trek. <laughs> Or Star Wars. <laughs> or Star Wars. You, you can throw it. Adam's family uh, in there also. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, have Festers in the movie. So, uh, yeah, how can we make this conversation about Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think a camp full of stormtroopers would be like? <laughs> Murdery? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely start some forest fires. They wouldn't be shooting any kids down. <laughs> They'd be attacked by Ewoks. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I think Endor is really the Star Wars camp story. Yeah. <laughs> or really the moon of Endor before any real super dorks comment in to let me know I'm wrong about that. <laughs> so, of course, one of the kids gets hurt, but it's pretty mild. Mud straps uh, Roman candles to his helmets <laughs> and tries to like, what is he rollerblading into the lake or something yeah, else? He's like laying down on a skateboard. Up. Okay. Oh, that's what it was. Going he tries to coffin into the lake. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. that old move was called. But when you like are skating and then you lay down, it was called a coffin, right? Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, he gets a mild burn, I guess. And uh, Christopher Lloyd takes him to a doctor. The local doctor. Right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember that character's name now, but he... he uh, Dr. Dunbar. There you go. Finds finds a local doctor in the town nearest where they're they're camping and um, takes him along. And she, she can tell pretty much immediately it's a firework burn and kind of lets them know, you know, technically I'm supposed to report this to the police because it's firework related. And Lloyd talks or Dennis talks her out of it and then eventually turns it into an invitation to dinner and... Um, 
I don't know anything about that actress, but so I, I, I do I, know a little bit. So she, this might be familiar to you. Her name's Wendy McKenna, and I, I was like, she is so familiar. What is it? I have this yeah, strange I do sort of feel like I recognize her. A strange me. level of attraction toward her. Well, that's what I was gonna she, say is that I didn't notice it when I was eleven, but as an adult, she's a really attractive woman. Very attractive <laughs> yeah. redhead. Think she's out of his league or what? A little bit, yeah. yeah. She's like twenty years younger than Christopher Lloyd to start with. Yeah, and he's like a. He looks like. Just for visual purposes, Christopher Lloyd looks like he lives in a van down by the river, which he does in this movie. But he doesn't look like Christopher Farley. He looks like he actually lives in a van down by the river. Right. Like, he just is gross. Like, he spent, like, the 60s and the 70s were not nice to him. The 80s were definitely not nice either. And the 90s have not been any better, for sure. Yeah, I think he's one of those people that spent the 80s paying for what he did during the 60s. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, think about him in like the shows like Taxi, where he, oh, he kicked was off. So good, he was kind of like the bumish guy because he, he looks he looks like a bum, and he's kind of like he was kind of the Kramer of Taxi. He was that character's name was like Ignatowski or something. But yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> but that's his look. Absolutely, sure. it is like the the hobo crazy guy that's just wacky. He was, but it so fits his like yeah. drama presence, oh, right? He was like, one of the the in, inmates in the asylum, and one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and he just they yep. don't even need to put makeup on him or anything. He just sort of fits there. Yeah, uh, that movie is a, has a powerhouse of actors. It really coming is together. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Danny DeVito's got a little part in it, and Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, yeah. I mean, what when you start paying attention, what a cast! Absolutely. But the woman, the doctor, is the hot nun in Sister Act. So do you remember oh, she goes to the convent? Yeah. There's all the nuns, and then there's like the young one, dude, the wow. younger one that's like kind of attractive at least for a nun right yeah at least definitely the most attractive woman in the movies <laughs> because we always like Dude. stereotype nuns with being like these old right. saggy white ladies so does the movie wrinkles though. You I, know? To- <laughs> I know that's what's so funny i don't think i've sat through sister act in seriously 20 years and i i'd never put two and two together but the moment you said it i can see it absolutely I've watched it recently. You should give it a go man it's not no, bad it's worth it yeah <laughs> it's it's yeah. very watchable it's just like you know what it reminds me of? The Brady Bunch. It's just like perfectly watchable piece of 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Whoopi Goldberg was not in very many actually good movies. She was in Ghost. I mean, she come yeah, there's Ghost and there's Sister Act. <laughs> and then there's Jumping Jack Flash and that one with the dinosaur. Her greatest role, honestly, is Star Trek The Next Generation as Guinan. She is so good in Star Trek. I'm <laughs> yeah. not fucking lying. No, it's not bad. Wasn't wasn't she the crazy old witch in uh, the Dark Crystal? <laughs> Was that her in the Dark no, Crystal? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. It just no. looks like her. <laughs> She's just being shitty. All right. I'm like, I don't remember that. <laughs> hey, we also got a visit from Biff Tannen in this movie yes. too. Like during this time. <laughs> He's not actually Biff Tannen, but he played Biff Tannen in Back to the Future. And in this movie, he's Trooper, State Trooper Hendricks. And he sees all those like delivery trucks leaving the camp and was like, what the hell is going on over here? Um, it was just so odd to see like all of this activity going on at a camp that had supposedly been empty or run down and things like that over the years. Yeah, so, yeah, threw up some major red flags. So he started questioning Dennis and Mud. Oh, officer, Trooper Elliot Hendricks. Uh, howdy, I'm uh, Flurm. 
Cy Fleur. What can I do for you, officer? Well, Mr. Uh, it's Fleur. Fleur. Uh, well, we've had some reports of a gang of unruly kids in the area. Thought I'd come check it out. Do you mind if we talk? Not at all. Had a report of a fireworks display, some loud music. Uh, oh, uh, Mrs. Levinson found paint splattered on her new garage door. Probably a couple rowdy kids. And he's like the oafish 90s cop, you know? He's, there's always like an adversary to kids in movies like this that's like a complete dope. Like a yeah. dope adult. He he played yeah. football in high school and blew out both ACLs. And then like his only option was to be a state trooper. Like yeah. that's seriously like that. <laughs> that's his life story right there. It's true that that's a really common trope in kids movies. There's always some inept adult who's trying to bust them, but can't quite do it for they're They're always just clever enough to outsmart the idiot grown up. Dude, like you, you or you or you right. would have shown up there and been Okay, there's some fucking yeah, there's, there's some going fuckery on going on right here. Like, <laughs> oh wow, I I forgot to look up. You know, while you've got a room full of kids like stashed up in the ceiling, like right. like how fucking like just oblivious is this guy? I honestly hate the moment when Christopher Lloyd is doing the fake sick thing. Doctor says it's a bronchial virus. <laughs> Rudy, remember to bring Officer Hendricks coffee in the blue mug, not the green one. Not Dad, yours is the blue one. The green one's for company. <laughs> no, Rudolph, mine's the green one. Dad, yours is the blue one. Mine is the green one. one. The green one. I don't want him to get the disease, all right? I don't, I don't have any more questions. Please I don't know. I'll take a rain check. Rain check. And he's like oh, all of a yeah. sudden just like coughing and oh. scratching himself. It's just fucking cringy. Right. Dude. So he there's this line where I always misinterpreted this line because he says he coughs really hard and says, oh, I shifted my liver on that one. Right. And as a kid, I always thought he said, oh, I shit out of my liver on that one. I was like, <laughs> wow, that's a hard cough. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it really underlines like this concept. You don't notice it when you were a kid, which is the entire point. Like when you get to be an adult and you look back on some of these movies, even if the movie's not bad, even if they're not asking you to extend disbelief to some unreasonable degree, there are just certain premises and concepts and things that like an eight to 12 year old will just accept. Yes. Like, this seems reasonable to me. Like, in fact, the whole premise of this movie, I, I do not believe kids could have ever pulled this off, at least not by and large. I think most of their parents would have noticed something weird was happening, especially when this one stranger was asking them for thousands of dollars in cash all at once and had no material affiliated with the camp he was proposing he take their kids to. But, uh, I mean, even even aside from the larger premise, but just things like the kids hiding in the roof or the fact that the cop is so clearly inept, like... You know, at 11, you're like, I believe it. No questions asked, you know, but then you get to be 30 something and you're like, no, there's no way grownups would have really been this incapable of, of handling all this. <laughs> Hypothetical with today's technology, like let's say Venmo, Zelle, Apple Pay, Cash App, shit like that. The technological advances that kids have and the advantages of of readily available technology technology do you think kids actually could pull this off today 
I think that there are definitely some 12, 13, 14 year olds out there that could pull this shit off with the right person being paid off like a dentist. I think at the very bare minimum, I'll agree with you. Bare minimum, I'll agree with you. It's a lot more plausible now than it would have been then because now kids that age can get a website put together or use their phones to shoot video footage that looks like other kids at a camp. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a lot more feasible now than it would have been back then. Because there's, I mean, at least for my parents, and I guess maybe maybe some other kids' parents weren't as questioning as mine were or whatever. But like, you know, if one guy had shown up, even if the pitch sounded great, my parents would have wanted to see brochures. They wanted to want, they would have wanted to check it out. Even in '94, there were websites where you could look up camps. Like, that, you know, when they sent my brother and I away, the idea of sending us away for a month to somewhere where one guy had shown up was not going to be good enough. You know, that was not. It's like thanks for the pitch. I'm going to look you guys up and we'll call you back. <laughs> so your parents weren't trying to get rid of you like the drama dad well they definitely were okay but they would they they did eventually want us back i mean i'll be straight up with you there were multiple summers where my brother and i got postcards a week after we'd gotten to camp saying your mother and i went to hawaii have fun while you're there but <laughs> you <sucker. laughs> right you know but still so like if, if this would would you be in to watch if this movie was remade like today i no. I mean, you see, the thing is, no, not really, but only because I don't think I'm the right age. If I were 11 now when they remade this, I think the answer would be definitely yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like when I was watching that and thinking about that concept, like I got, I got the vibes of the movie accepted. Do you remember that? Yeah. With Lewis Black, like oh, where yeah. they made up the fake school and they, you know, were able to like come Justin up with Long's all that. Justin that. Yeah. 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 So they actually went the extra mile on that one. You yeah. Know, they, right. Like, but that was like right at that forefront of like being able to create your own websites and, and things like that. And that was yeah. pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah, it was. I it like was that like, movie at that internet. high school age. Right. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one wasn't bad. Because we must have been like 17 or 18, I think, Corey, when that movie came out. Yes. And like, so it was, that was another age group where, oh, it's the same thing as Camp Nowhere, but on the <laughs> right. next level. It's college. Like, we could relate to this. I think we could pull this shit off. <laughs> So there's yeah. some there's some romances going on a brewing here at camp, right? So Mud and I think the girl's name is Gabby. They start to form a thing. Yeah. So camp was my idea, but nobody listens to me. You know, I mean, everybody hates me. Everybody does not hate you. No, just everybody in camp, and all the girls. Girls don't hate you. You think girls hate you, Gabby? I'm a geek. You're not a geek, Morris. Gabby, look. I'm a geek, all right? It's okay for boys to be geeky. For a girl, it's different. I could wind up wearing a hairnet and serving jello in a cafeteria. No, that won't happen because, you know, tons of girls start out lumpy. But, uh, I mean, that'll all change. You know, you'll lose a little bit of weight and uh, then you'll start to grow some chest. And then you'll be, you know, I don't know, going out with guys that hang me up by my underwear. Who I can hardly wait. The, the uh, overweight girl who's not overweight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who just like changes outfits to be skinny. <laughs> right. Well, they they had like a really special moment where like where Mud had been like really upset that the camp was basically going to get shut down or they were going to divulge that this was all his idea or whatever. And so he goes off on his own and Gabby comes in to where uh, Mud was hiding, basically, or just having, like, you know, an alone moment because kids need safe spaces, <laughs> stuff like that. 
they they came up with this oath where they decided that once they're no longer qualifying themselves as the nerd category or the chubby girl category, whatever the category they felt that they belonged to and they became cool that they were, they were going to be, you know, they're going to have an interest in each other and they were going to be friends or more or whatever. But you saw like an organic, like development of the relationship between them at that moment. Let's make an oath. Okay. When we get cool, neither of us will go out with those kind of jerks. Okay. Who will we go out with? Each other. I mean, ex-geeks like us because we'll be cool. Okay. Deal. Okay. What about Zach and Trish? I mean, he—he's that guy that I think has the ability to talk to girls and flirt and do whatever. Like I didn't have that yeah. ever. And, and he was that like good looking guy that could have got any girl in the school, but I don't know. There was something weird about it. And like, he, I think he had the crush on Trish's friend, not, not actually Trish. Yeah. A little quiet girl. I just want to say that Jonathan, you don't give yourself enough credit. (laughs) You did just fine. Remember, um, that girl that my neighbor liked you. What was her name? Brenda? (laughs) yeah she used to call you chicken legs oh my god dude so she's she's married with like three kids and she's a uh satanist so oh cool yeah nice so she's still around she's still living on the same parties is what you're telling me (laughs) oh she still lives there yeah yeah she liked you um remember samantha michelson yeah she's got like five kids oh you know she's wild yeah (laughs) yeah you still know these people yeah dude Still know a lot of people. That's cool. It's weird keeping in contact with people you knew like in middle school and they've got kids and stuff. And there's a girl that I don't, I'm not going to mention her by name. But there's a girl that I liked in middle school who I keep in contact with and it's a totally platonic thing, but she's got children now and it's kind of strange. Your middle school crush? She was one of my middle school crushes. I I, I was, I never limited myself to one. There was always like a, a platter of girls that I was like, any one of these would be fine with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh. But yeah, absolutely. The, but between Zach and Trish, always that's the more well. They were all kind of cliche in their own way. But that one, I think they forced it too much. And the Zach character's got this whole bit about how he's going to drop out of middle school and go live in Mexico because they let fourteen-year-olds drive there. Okay, so you know? his subplot is that he might drop out of school, right? And it's like you're no, you're not, dude. That, that was no all one, a fucking sham, yeah, dude. That was just for play. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, come on, you really think that Trish is buying? And of course, she does buy it for the sake of the movie. But like, yeah, everyone believes that fourteen-year-old you is going to run off to Mexico without your parents because you can drive there. Okay, but <laughs> so so then. But that's what leads me to believe that Zach was actually interested in the other girl because they they had that moment in the shop where he was like, make a necklace or something, right? Like he was trying to like take care of this girl. And like, it was hard to tell whether he like genuinely cared about her or it was like, a big brother kind of viewpoint. I thought it was or big something. brother. Yeah, I like, always took it as a big brother because that girl always seemed I don't know. too much younger for him to be. Yeah. She always seemed like she was like the, the 11 or 12 year old in the group and they were, I don't know, I'm not. I, I think he wanted here. the other girl because he was like, yeah. you know, I wish you were wearing a skirt right now. Yeah, I'd be in heaven if you were wearing a skirt. Well, I, don't, so yeah. weird. I don't know. He likes the younger ones. He did in 10 Things I Hate About You also. <laughs> I mean, dude, she was like a freshman oh, and he dude. was a senior. He was well, the same character. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. If same, Larissa yeah. Olenek had been at high school with me, I, 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 she would never have been interested, but I absolutely would have tried anyway. <laughs> okay. So there's more romances going on. We talked about uh, Christopher Lloyd Dennis. 
having a date with the hot doctor lady. Oh, yeah. Mud pretends to be a son. Now, the, the best part about that whole thing is when he, like, puts Mud to bed because Mud falls asleep <laughs> during the date. He's like, oh, I'm going to go uh, just put him in his bedroom. You go ahead and pour yourself a glass of wine. And he just dumps him outside, like, on the hard dirt. That's a good moment. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, I mean, he sets himself up to get busted. All he had to do was say, you know, we'll, let's go talk on the porch or on the porch swing or something while Mud sleeps on the couch. Or he could have just taken her to the bedroom or something. Like, <laughs> he wasn't going to get a blowy on the porch with kids out there, well, man? No, no. Well, the kids the kids were up at the main camp. He's down by the lake. I'm just saying <laughs> so they can talk for a few minutes. And then you go, then you move up to where, you know, the other stuff. I contend that Christopher Lloyd fucks in this movie. Probably. Oh, he screen. does. They, oh, off screen? Well, he doesn't well, do it yeah. on screen. No, obviously. <laughs> but I think him and she stayed the night. Yeah. Yeah, she stayed the night. And then she ends up kind of looking the other way about everything at the end and they run off together. So, yeah, something's happening. Yeah, man. Yeah. They, there was some, I forget the quote, but they definitely talked about whatever happened the night before. In yes. The, in the morning. I'll look after them. I'll be a full time adult. Oh, like you were a full-time drama teacher and Mud's father? Well, the father part was a stretch, but the teacher, the free spirit, the sexual dynamo, that's me. They allude to sex. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, getting that out of the way. But here's, <laughs> here's the big thing of the movie, the thing that I remember it's in my mind... When I think back on Camp Nowhere, I think about the parents' day debacle. Okay, you guys, it's simple. All the parents want a parents' day, right? Okay, so we'll give them a parents' day, all four camps, and on the day that they want it. You guys, it's like Winston Churchill once said, all our past lives has been but a preparation for this hour and this trial. Okay, forget Winston Churchill. Look, anybody who wants to give me the next 36 hours to pull off the greatest scam of all time, just raise your hand. So supposedly these kids all went to camps that do not have a parent's day. That but would have been another red flag, I think. <laughs> Honestly, they, they, they tell all these parents, you know, I, here's one guy, we have no promotional material. I want three grand in cash, and by the way, you're not allowed to visit. And camp is two weeks longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's good. We're going to keep your kids for like six weeks. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. But the parents are a coming anyway. It's also interesting that all of them seemingly decided that they were going to do it. Just well, doing it they, anyway. yeah. The, but okay. So not all of them were, though. It was Trisha's parents that decided they were going to come see this rendition of Annie. That's and true. And then they go, oh, fuck. Her parents are coming. So we might as well pitch it to the rest of the parents and let's all coordinate it and have them come here on our terms when we want them to come here. I, it seems like, I don't know. I get, I get, you're absolutely right. And I, I guess I get why they would do that. But at the same time, I'd be like, well, let's, let's just do it for the theater camp then. Why, 
Or if you're going to do it, then don't have all the parents come on the same day. Have theater camp Like be literally Mon- 15 minutes apart? Yeah. Have theater camp be Monday and army camp be Tuesday and computer camp be Wednesday. But then why they would can't you- get up to shenanigans, Steve. Yeah, exactly. That's why. You write this shit for the shenanigans, not because it makes sense. This is but a I- movie <laughs> chock full of shenanigans. So I-, I-, I think the parents' day, the parents' visit needed the chaos to it in order to get them in and get them out. No, if they right. had let them just fuck around and come see camp for a half a day, like they would be hosed like instantly what's with all these nerf guns right Right? this isn't an effective way to learn theater yeah it's nerf theater it's nerf or nothing theater (laughs) yeah i i I thought the most fucked up one was when zach's dad got there and they just like straight put him into his like ptsd of being in the war or something like that like they fucked him up okay let's let's go through them military camp first yeah. Go ahead, Jonathan. So Zach's dad is obviously a military man. And when he shows up, the first thing that I thought of was that Zach was going to a different military camp with such a tightly wound instructor that was going to teach him discipline and do all this stuff. But he didn't make him cut his hair right then and there. Yeah. Like you would think that at the first day of military camp that they're going to buzz their fucking heads. Right. Well, red flag number one. The okay. boy's got to earn their due. Right, their hairdo that is. <laughs> just, just take a little off the sides. <laughs> Another great film in the army now. Yeah. Just take a little off the sides. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Zach's dad shows up, and all of a sudden Zach jumps out in front of the car, says to stop, get out. They got to go, and they got to go onto the ground. They got to army crawl. They got to do this. They got to do that. You get stuck in a in a a, a foxhole, and there's gunfire coming over the the loudspeakers like it was just it was, it was such bullshit like if i showed up and my kid was telling me to do all this i'm like no dude i'm not crawling on the fucking ground like i just got here like <laughs> yeah, he's wearing you know? a suit and thank you he spends the whole time in a hole while, while stuff gets thrown dude, at him like there's like, no way he would just stay like it's like 12 hours later and yeah. he's still in the fucking hole and his right. kid brings him a liver sandwich and yeah. they've been like fuck you kid like i'm out yeah, of here on. i want to like see, come on we're going I, home right this is what i want to see the guy in charge bring me the yeah. dude like i'm here in the hole getting dirty while you're running around doing what well it's like yeah. you said jonathan they play to his ptsd stop stop come on come on fire zone stay down Hey, nice to see you. Full field exercise. All cameras and parents are combatants. All firepower. One to six. Yeah, I, I think that that's really what it is. Like they fucked him up, you know, so that he would stay there. So when he hears gunfire, like. Fortunate son starts playing in his head, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. You oh, could absolutely got helicopter blades whirring in the background. You could yeah. absolutely be right, but there'd never been any indication earlier in the movie that that dude had even been in the service, let alone that he had PTSD. No, this is pure speculation. And, and this like, is not in the text. Right. This is subtext. And like it just I don't know. The whole thing seems so crazy. Like the rest of it is is at least more plausible than that, I think. But I don't know. Let's continue on. What else uh what other kind of fake camps do they have going, Steve? They got the fake computer camp. There's another really ridiculous one where they make Morris's parents and some other people think that the kids are might might potentially actually be hacking military computers and like directing Air Force traffic. And at first, the parents kind of convince themselves that it's just 
a fake, like, a simulation to teach the kids how to do something. Yeah, they're just playing F-15 Strike Eagle yeah. on PC. Defcom. Right? You know, this is just a Jane's game or something. But then the planes fly over, and they clearly want the parents to think that the kids might be controlling the planes. And it's like, that's not the point where you tell everyone to stop. This is our computer center. We have 60 substations linked to our Cray 3000. Okay, we're cracking codes. Entry codes, of course. We're in the pine view. Let's see what we can do in mode yellow. What are you doing, boys? Mode yellow? Is this pine view... Air Force Base? Status confirmed. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. No. Okay, let's scramble the jets. Good Lord, what is happening here? Relax, it's not a real alert. They can't crack Pentagon codes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Like, you're standing here watching your kid. You think your kid. I mean, it's an idiotic thing to think. I don't think any adult really would have bought that they were hacking into military computers. But even still, you think that's what they're doing. You think that they've released fighter planes, fighter jets from an Air Force base nearby. You don't You don't say, hey, let's uh, stop this right now and explain to me why this is happening. <laughs> Like, why is this what my kid is doing? Yeah, I just wanted my kid to learn HTML. <laughs> right? Like, you like told- I just wanted my kid to learn how to code MySpace. <laughs> yeah. Like, you told me the kid was going to learn how to use Excel, and uh, they appear to be hacking military computers. How so. are they on spreadsheets? Come right? on. Can they do VLOOKUPs? And, and how did you get 12 to 14-year-olds to this level so quickly? They've, they've all gotten to the point where they can... Hack military computers? Yeah, like Mud's dad was like, are they hacking the Pentagon? Right? Like, no, no, they're not. And you should know better. Um, <laughs> Dude, they didn't even have a phone line out there, man. <laughs> right? They don't have cable, but they've got the capacity to hack military computers. Also, they've got five computers set up in a room, and they all look like 486s. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. There's also the twins are there, and I think those twins were in a few other movies. I think Problem was, Child. Yeah, they were, and I think they might have been. Were they? Are they, in the, are they in the, the twins classic? from The Shining? No, no. <laughs> if they remade The Shining, those kids would have been in it though. Were they in Kindergarten Cop? I think the two of them might be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those those kids had got a handful. Our mom of work. says our dad's a real there sex machine. Yeah, yeah. Those kids got a handful of work out of being twins when they were younger. That's interesting. Definitely. You, Oh, why were they so mad about their grandma, though? Yeah, they did not like their grandmother. Must have given bad Christmas gifts or something. Scramble the jets. We're taking out Milwaukee. Minneapolis! Milwaukee! Minneapolis! Milwaukee! But grandma lives in Milwaukee. Milwaukee! Yeah, maybe uh, she never had any Werther's Originals when they went over to her house. Right? Right. She probably actually had cookies in the sewing kit instead of... My mother's mother was not known to be a particularly friendly woman, but I wouldn't have bombed her house. Like, no. <laughs> like, uh, it was fake. They were playing a game, at least. They weren't. No, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was pretend. Yeah. You know? But, uh. All right. What else? We got drama camp. Drama camp. That the, the two parents, uh, Jonathan Frakes Beard and um, Captain Janeway managed Captain to, Janeway's hair. And Captain Janeway's hair show up to see the la- what, what they think is like the last 12 seconds. Of, of uh, their daughter Trish singing the end of the whatever that name of that song is from Annie. It's like the most famous song from Annie. Yeah. You know, then, of course, they 
they give her a lot of applause backstage, and her father says, "I loved that opening number," which is kind of amusing. Good line. It yeah. is a good line. Yeah. It just but, it just keeps playing to the role of like how out of touch he is on every aspect right? of his kid. I mean, that's really the thing. The whole end of it really just sort of underlines that these parents not only were dumb enough to get duped into sending their kids to places that weren't actually camps, but that they're all buying this obviously fake Parents' Day experience. <laughs> You were wonderful. How did I do? Love that opening number. They bought it. Let's go. (laughs) Trish's parents were probably the only ones that really could have been like duped into this because they're so out of touch. Like the dad was instantly like, wait, they're going to be camps going to be two weeks longer. We could stay in Europe Europe. until fucking, you know, next year. He can't even get his kids straight. Like he, he gets them mixed up. That's another thing they walk back on because early in the film, you're absolutely right. He gets excited at the idea of Trish being at camp for two weeks longer because it means he and his wife can spend the extra days in Europe. But flash forward to later in the film, he and his wife are hanging around in the backyard at home when his wife makes the decision to go see Trish at camp. So it's like, what happened to Europe? Exactly. It's <laughs> like, uh, real weird. You guys decided not to go, huh? You seemed really excited about that trip earlier in this movie, and like, fuck. That's that's maternal instinct right there. She fucking ixnade that trip. <laughs> right? Yeah, we're just gonna drop this this trip we planned months ago and spent a bunch of money booking. But whatever. There's also the fat camp where oh, literally. Yeah. Nothing happens. No, there's the fat camp. It's not a fat camp. And the, the one kid there who's arguably really very large, I'm not making fun of the kid, but the one kid there who's arguably big uh, clearly didn't lose any weight at all while he was there. So <laughs> he hasn't lost a pound. Yeah. Like, so what's going on here? He, he made it, sure none of the food went to waste. Right. <laughs> the only fat camp thing that happens is Christopher Lloyd as Richard Simmons. Yes. All right, let's sweat. Tommy's tucked. Products pinched. Only 600 more. Then you can taste some of our famous chocolate cake. I don't know if we talked about this very thoroughly, but Christopher Lloyd acts as if he's the camp director of each of these four camps, and he has different personas for each. He's got the tough military guy with the scar on his face. Which isn't that intimidating. He's kind of more goofy, to be honest. When he's introducing himself to Morris's dad as the head of the computer camp, he gives his last name as Wozniak, like Steve Wozniak from Apple, yeah. which I thought was amusing. He's got a Bill Cosby sweater and he looks like a dork. <laughs> right. But the and fat camp Morris's one, dad was like, oh, nice sweater. sweater. Right. The fat camp one is the Richard Simmons archetype. Right? Yeah. It's like that character, which was very much of its time, right? And <laughs> so much so that a, a modern child watching this movie would not know what that is intended to be. No, no. I was 11 when this film came out, and I had a sort of vague idea of who Richard Simmons once was, but that was that was it. Even now, it's a little, just a little bit of a stretch, but you still make the association. Did your... I'm only asking to ask if they had a reaction. Did your kids watch this one with you? No. No. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. By yourself? You watched it alone? Well, I had my three-year-old with me, but she wasn't Oh, she's interested. too little. To, yeah. yeah. No, she okay. wasn't interested. Yeah. So there are some villains in this movie. One we talked about a little bit, Tom Wilson. Yeah. And one we talked about a little bit less. He's the debt collector. Yeah. Now, Captain as a Bryant. kid, I didn't really understand what the fuck he was. He like It's almost like he was like an FBI agent or something, but yeah. he's a debt collector that is very hands-on. Yeah, he's very hands-on. He explains that in 1979, Christopher Lloyd's character agreed to make 
something like like 48 or 60 payments on a basically neon vomit piss yellow colored gremlin and that uh caribbean yellow. caribbean yellow there you go and the, the the dennis Wilker character made something like three payments on it and then never never paid for it again and the debt from the dealership has been sold to the collection agency that this character works for and he wants to retire with a perfect record by all this to repo a car all the yeah and he doesn't even really want to repo the car he just wants to get all the back money out right but like if if the person doesn't pay you you take the property back like yeah which it would i mean at that point that's one of those situations where they the person who's owed the debt gets fucked because at that point there's no way a 20 year old gremlin was worth whatever was still owed exactly on but even so. later <laughs> it gets worse this he's like talks about getting a warrant for the debt yeah and i'm like what world does this guy live in like right he's gonna arrest him for having debt <laughs> right yeah the idea of debtor's prison doesn't really exist anymore <laughs> the, like they can sue you for failing to live up to the terms of the contract but yeah i don't think jail was really an option there what's uh, the point of suing him you obviously don't have any fucking money you know yeah like, i mean that's the so other thing funny. you know I, I i remember a lawyer explaining to me once that they'll lay a lot of time even when they've got a good lawsuit they won't go through because there's no point in successfully suing somebody who's got no money to give you right like, yeah 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 because lawsuits are expensive <laughs> right. themselves yeah but so uh, tom wilson the cop and then this debt collector guy they're kind of been honing in on this whole thing and it comes to a head during Parents' Day through the most obscene moment of slapstick comedy I've ever seen in my life. It's revealed that this whole thing was a hoax. Steve, you remember this reveal moment, right? Is it's it, just out of control. Well, when when the trooper, when Biff goes back into the commuter camp with Mud's parents, yeah. Yeah, they've been changing over this one room. To look like the various different camps, you know, they've got curtains they can draw up and props they can bring in. And so during one part of the day, it's the headquarters for the computer camp. And during a different part of the day, it was the main area for the the exercise camp and blah, blah, blah. So they've got all this stuff set up in there. It's basically, I think a lot of people wouldn't know this or notice, but it's actually set up very much the same way they set up the wings in the backstage area at a playhouse. They need to be able to change over sets quickly at a playhouse. The audience doesn't have to wait a tremendous amount of time during set changes. So they've got stuff strung up in the rafters that can be dropped at a moment's notice when they need it. And they've got things on wheels off stage in the wings that can be brought in. And that, that even includes backgrounds and backdrops. And that part of it, I think, is kind of clever because the leader of the sham is an adult who used to be a drama teacher. So, of course, it's going to make sense to him to do this in such a way that they can just change over the set over and over again very quickly. But yeah, the the Mud's parents have been in there and they think they've seen computer camp. And Mud says, oh, I'm going to stay in here with the counselor and help clean up for a few minutes. And uh, when the trooper comes back around and Mud's father realizes that the guy they think is the camp counselor is the one the cop, the trooper is looking for, Morris's dad takes him back inside where he thinks the camp is being being held and realizes that it's basically just a stage. That this it's really it's it's full of props and stuff and there's nothing there. Yes. Yeah. But like, good God, <laughs> right. the amount of the amount of slapstick beats they hit in this moment it's just excessive, dude. Right. It's like he slips on a banana pill. He falls in a little pool. He fuck. It's like mousetrap, <laughs> bro. It's fucking too much. What did you think, Jonathan? 
Yeah, it was too much. Like the hitting the sign with the Nerf rocket with a a fucking, you know, Roman candle on it in order to make the sign slide off. Like weird shit like that. It was just, it was just too much. And that whole scene, all of it was a waste without the very brief, small moment that Bulldog shows up and asks Mud's parents if he'd seen Dennis and they were like, huh, Wozniak? And they're, he's like, no, Dennis. And he's like, wait a minute. So without that like WTF moment, all of that shit, they would have just got away with everything. Yeah. Like, and, and it was just like, really? Like that's, that's the part that this thing fell to shit. Like the connective really? thread to their, yeah, to their reveal is a little bit thin, isn't it? The Wilkers character. Such a letdown committed grand larceny or at least fraud on a fairly substantial scale and technically legally kidnapped all those kids both of which are federal crimes and somehow he doesn't get arrested at the end their excuse for that is that none of the parents decided to press charges which is ridiculous on its face some of those parents would have pressed charges but even if that's true they don't need charges those the they can arrest you for breaking the law, even if no one else cares that you did it. <laughs> so it's like kidnapping is a federal crime. They don't let you go just because the parents are like, eh, I guess I don't mind. He technically committed fraud and took my kids somewhere to give permission to like, <laughs> like children. Minors are not allowed to give consent to be taken from their parents. They can't do that. It's why minors can't engage in contracts. Like, so like Dennis, he decides to like, take the blame which i guess (laughs) rightfully so from his perspective he's like you know it was the kid's idea they did kind of blackmail me but i'll just say i'll take the blame whatever i'm the adult i'll take responsibility so he's like telling everyone he's like yeah so you know i i brought in all these kids but then he kind of like goes crazy with it been planning this for five six years the cap idea was perfect find kids with access to cash get them away from their parents Lots of junk food. Win their confidence. Then start with a religious indoctrination. His title was Most High and Holy Worship. Rama Tri Havaganoli. That's H-A-V-A. Right. Oh, yeah. He starts talking about it being a religious cult. He's like, yeah, well, I plan to indoctrinate them into my religious cult eventually. And like Allison Mack, you see her perk up in the background. Exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, that doesn't I, I get that he's trying to be a good guy and alleviate the kids from being punished too heavily. And that that part makes sense. But why embellish to that degree? He doesn't need to make it that much worse on himself. He could have just said, look, guys, the whole thing was my idea. And the kids went along with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. But of course, the kids, you know, they, they take the blame. They say, no, it was my idea. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> Whatever, you know, they do that thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Dennis, you can drop it. Look, if it was your idea, where's the money? Ah, yes. Hmm? It's hidden. In my sock? Look, officer, I, I, I don't know what's going on, but, but I know my boy Morris is, is a good boy. Dad, you don't know. He's, he's too smart to get involved in anything. Dad, just because I'm smart doesn't mean I can't act stupid. Look, if Mud's guilty, I am too. Me too. Smart enough to act stupid. Yeah, and I'm stupid too. Well, you know what I mean. 
For those of you who haven't seen Spartacus, go look up Spartacus. Just watch Cop and a Half. They do it in Cop and a Half, too. Oh, yeah. I'm Devin Butler. I'm Devin Butler. Cop and a Half is definitely the best way to learn about Spartacus. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jonathan, they, they fix up this car pretty nicely, don't they? Yeah, I was trying to figure out where the fuck they got a decent paint booth to take care of <laughs> yeah. this car in the Boy. camp, man. Like, what a really nice paint job they got. I mean, they got glass for it. They got paint. They got wheels. Glass. Leather. That's a good point. I never thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they the got brand new interior. Yeah. yeah. Like... It was unreal, and then and then to just give the car to Dennis and and Doctor Dunbar. Somehow the one fourteen year old there who's had a single junior high school level auto shop class is capable <laughs> of doing all of this by himself over the course of two months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This would have my, my grandpa fixed up a fifty seven Chevy. Yeah, and it took him like. 10 years or thank, something thank like you. <laughs> that's exactly what i was going to say even the kind of adult who has plenty of money of money to spend and lots of time to like at the absolute best case scenario it's going to take you a year 18 months i mean and that's assuming you've got tons of spare time and money to spend on doing this for most of these guys like your granddad it takes years i had a neighbor who was rebuilding a 429 uh, mach 1 mustang in his garage and he was really dedicated at it and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I think it, by the time he was done, it had been in his garage for seven, eight years, something like that. Right. And this is not something a 14-year-old with one auto shop class and a little bit of help could do in six weeks. <laughs> like, I mean, most of, as Jonathan was pointing out, most of what he did wasn't even within the bounds of the equipment they had to do it. He didn't have gallons of automotive paint. He didn't have the guns to spray the car with. He didn't have a rotisserie to put the body on or a paint booth to do the work in. Like, What about the, the, the tool truck? Yeah, the snap-on tools would not have covered his ability to do that. Like, you know what? That that actually makes sense of why the snap-on truck was yeah, there now because he wanted that. tools for the right for fixing Only the, the car. Best. Only the but best. But like, literally, all I ever saw was him rebuilding a carburetor yeah, like exactly. and that's the only thing that you ever learn at like junior high school <laughs> auto shop exactly or gapping the spark plugs you right know? and the yeah. movie's only an hour and 36 minutes long they could have made the movie nine minutes longer make it an hour 45 and uh have a few a scene there where he's actually doing something with the car but yeah yeah, yeah. Like, at least, like, getting in there and turning the ignition on or something. Right. You know? And then I think, if I recall the end scene correctly, what they end up with is circa, like, a 57 Bel Air convertible, which had something, like, restored at a Barrett-Jackson auction. has got to be worth sixty-five, seventy-five thousand yeah, bucks that, or that, more. That's over $100,000 yeah. right now for a, a fully restored 57 yeah. convertible. Yeah. Like, so fucking, Yeah. Could have been one of the cheaper years. Maybe it was only a 54 or something. That's why it was left out in the woods. (laughs) Oh, man. So Dennis basically doesn't get in any trouble because no one presses charges like we talked about. The kids are in trouble, but like, Jonathan, are there like lessons learned? Like, do the parents and the kids maybe learn something from this whole thing? Not much. Is there a takeaway like that? (laughs) I, I don't think that they really like talked about any good takeaway, like no solid plan after this. Mud's that, grounded. That I knew of. I mean, Mud was yeah grounded till he was thirty. I feel but like, like his dad wasn't even mad. I feel like his dad was maybe a little bit more accepting of who he is as a person. Maybe at the end, I don't know. It's light. There's not a lot there, but like he kind of hands him some comic books, which Mud said earlier. Like my dad does not let me read comics because they're a waste of time. And he kind of says, yeah. you know, I got these for you. Like maybe it's, maybe there's a little bit of like 
more familial connection made after the events of Camp Nowhere? Yeah, I guess. Am Mud's, I reaching? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Mud's father, I guess, is supposed to be accepting now the, the whole concept that just because Mud is smart doesn't mean he can't do dumb things. But, like, that's the biggest lesson learned there. None of the other kids even seem to have any conversation about it. Trish's father walks up on her trying to eat Zach's tonsils. They're making out so hard. And fucking, he doesn't say anything about that. In fact, he then agrees to take Zach home, which is like, well, number one, isn't Zach's father coming back to get him? How are you going to deal with that? Dude, that guy went to a psych ward. (laughs) Right? Oh, man. Like, nobody's really, I mean, some people did, but very few people had cell phones in 94. So it's not like they're likely to call him and say, hey, we're taking your kid home. So his dad's probably going to wonder where he is. (laughs) Also, you just walked up on this kid like two thirds of the way to second base with your daughter. And like, maybe, maybe you don't want them in the same car together for a while. I don't know. When I was a teenager, it seemed to me like most of the teenage girl's fathers were at least a little bit concerned about the prospect of them getting pregnant. But maybe, maybe he doesn't give a shit. You know? Yeah, there's a few makeouts at the end, right? Yeah, there are, I think. Yeah, doesn't uh, Mud and Gabby make out also? They just shake hands, I thought. No, no, they, they make out, dude. Oh, okay. It's, it's full on. Is it? It's, uh, yeah. It's like blank check, but less weird. <laughs> Because it's two kids instead of an adult and a kid. Oh, yeah. that Boy, the end of Blank Check probably would not play today. I don't think a lot of this would play today. It's, I think it's interesting Disney Plus even no, still has it. No, you can't have an adult tongue kiss a child. No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. That shouldn't have played then. No, it really shouldn't have. It's, it's, it is, there, are, there are occasional instances where I'm like, yeah, the, the backlash is deserved. But you know. honestly, no one gives a shit about blank check, so there really is no backlash. No, that's because right. no one cares about it because it sucks. See, that's awful. where you get off lucky is when your movie is one of those that nobody cares enough about anymore to actually comment on. Right? People have just forgotten that you did that thing to begin with. You know, especially the the wonderful career that lead actor, the kid from that movie, had afterward, which is oh wait, actually, I don't think he's doing anything else. <laughs> that poor kid. Yeah, I, uh, I talked about. His life in a, in a different podcast I did, but oh, I don't really actually know anything about him. Aside from that, I don't think he was in anything else. He kind of he kind of had some troubles later on, but he seemed to like get out of it. Whatever, don't it need to go be, into it. Even without having had any issues, it must be really strange to have been in like three or four movies between the ages of ten and fourteen, and then your acting career just doesn't exist anymore. that's gotta be a strange feeling like i was a little bit famous for four years as an adolescent and now no one even remembers who i was i know yeah probably fucks you up it probably does it it probably really does very few of those kids come out without some scars yeah but this movie pretty much ends with um walter finally living out his horny fantasy walter what Walter, I've been thinking. You know, you're a big talker, but do you have the guts? What are you talking about? Walter, everyone else is at the under end of the beach. Do you have the guts? Yeah, he is in the lake with <laughs> Betty while all the parents are still there with the cops wrapping up. They they give you the impression that she's finally skinny dipping in the lake based on 
the fact that it looks like she's not wearing anything. Right. We kind of see the the neck and above and the rest yeah. is underwater. Yeah, like she's wearing like a like a bathing suit that doesn't have a shoulder straps or anything. Yeah. So she finally convinces Walter to go ahead and take his shorts off and he does and then she just gets up and walks out with his shorts. So like he's stuck there in the cold water naked. But naked. She basically pranks his ass for yeah. being such a horny little douchebag. Yeah, for Fucking sure. Walter. Gee, Walter, you really do have the guts. Just not an extra bathing suit. Betty? 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 Yeah, but she she just had certain, like, a look about her and her, like, physical development and things like that. And the way she, like, spoke, she seemed like she was older than all the other kids uh, that were Oh, you mean, like, there. the 30-year-olds on Beverly Hills 90210 playing high school students? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe not that <laughs> old. But, like, <laughs> I, I felt like maybe she was a lot closer to, like, being 16, 17 yeah. than, the ages than on these she kids, was closer to 12 and yeah, 13. Yeah, it does seem to vary. Like, Walter... He like looks like he hasn't gone through puberty yet, you know, because he's like little. He's like a little boy. Yeah. Shout, then, shout out to Tadell. He looks like yeah. Tadell in the picture on your fridge. <laughs> what up, Tadell? Tadell. Uh, those were the days. All right. So this movie ends here. Do you guys have any final thoughts? There's a few little things I wanted to throw in. When the kids attempt to, there's one part where Zach attempts to buy some beer at a local store. And he gets told by the clerk that the local drinking age is 19, which is weird to me. I don't know where the fuck the, the purchase local... age is 19. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. In, in most states, at least as far as I'm aware, you have to be drinking age to buy the beer. And I don't know anywhere we're drinking in the U.S. where drinking age isn't 21. Yeah, I don't know either. But uh, also, we were talking about it a little bit before earlier. The clerk they try to get the beer from is a kid actor named um, Patrick LeBeck. It's also the name of a professional hockey player, so it's kind of hard to get the two of them separate on the internet. But uh, <laughs> Lebrecht was one of those kids who had a real short-lived career during the early 90s. He was in Heavyweights. Um, he was in Beethoven. Who he was, was he in Heavyweights? I don't remember the character's name, but he was a large kid in real life, so he was a good fit for the part. He was in the original Beethoven. He was in Lawnmower Man. And I misspoke before. It wasn't Angels in the Outfield and it was, he was in. He was Rookie of the Year he was in. He plays one of the lead kid's friends in Rookie of the Year. Okay. There's a scene where the trooper, Biff, chases them to a car wash, and Dennis ends up getting dragged into the car wash with the cop car. Dennis's pants are trapped in the cop car's door, and right at the end of the car wash scene, he gets dragged with it to where the wax is going to be applied. But then 30 seconds later, Dennis walks out of the car wash covered in wax but not attached to the cop car, where the cop car is two vehicles behind him. So it's like, how did you arrange that um doesn't really make any sense uh, uh i'm gonna say that that was like a a paranoia after the heat of <laughs> hot wax all over you Maybe and he just fucking ran <laughs> out and ripped his pants because his pants were ripped right oh that is true so maybe that's what it was maybe he just yanked himself out that was one of the dumbest scenes by it the was. way the car wash scene like I, i'm glad we didn't even really talk about yeah, it me yeah too. fuck that um, there, there was a scene previewed the original, the very, very first theatrical trailer for this. There was a moment where they show the kids making omelets and they, they invented a popcorn omelet and it explodes on them. 
but they decided after that first trailer was cut to remove that part of the omelet scene from the movie so the subsequent trailers didn't have it. I found that very disappointing at 11. I wanted to see the popcorn omelet. Okay. Um, And then the last thing, last thing. There is actually in Providence, Rhode Island, North Providence, Rhode Island, very near where uh, the Griffins are supposed to live in Family Guy, there is a bar called Camp Nowhere that is themed for the movie. So I want to speak to that. So I looked up this bar. And it is supposedly themed to the movie. Yeah, supposedly. But it just looks like a bar. Yeah, it basically but does. it is based on the movie. The owners did explicitly say that it's a play on the 90s movie. And the tagline of the movie is on the sign at the bar. It says, <laughs> no parents, no counselors, no rules. <laughs> so in the little promotional <laughs> video I saw for this bar, they said, obviously that's a joke, but it's a play on the popular 90s movies Camp Nowhere. And I was like... Which the three of us and maybe 40 other people actually remember. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's a good thing our podcast is here because no <laughs> one fucking remembers that movie. Right. Shout yeah, that's out why. to the Camp Nowhere bar. If we ever come out right. there, you always appear. Did you guys know I own an arm wrestling themed bar called Over the Top? <laughs> <laughs> Based on the popular so Sylvester Stallone movie. movie, right? Everybody had to wear their hats backwards. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it from me. So I want to say that um, Allison Mack. Oh, yeah. She was in a TV series briefly called The Nightmare Room. And mm. she was in two episodes called Camp Nowhere, part one and two. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. It's a strange connection. What a coincidence. <laughs> oh, boy. It's an uh, interesting cast. All right. Let's go into ratings. Jonathan, on any rating scale you want, what are you going to give Camp Nowhere? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to give this... Oh, fuck me, dude. This movie is trash. Um, kind of is. It, it, <laughs> it's going to be two lima beans out of ten Ooh, for me. Even harsher than I'm going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, it was... It was fun in a nostalgic way, but this movie is total bullshit. Not plausible. <laughs> it is. It's like, there are so many holes with this thing. Uh, Dennis should have gone to prison for the rest of his fucking life. Yeah. You know, um, all these kids should have gotten like 400 hours of community service. This, this movie was just a mess from the beginning, but it's, it's still fun to watch, I guess. And if you look at it, from the viewpoint of a 12 or 13 year old that would be interested in getting away from your parents and going to the camp and doing that kind of thing on your own, then I guess it's entertaining from that point. But as a parent, like fuck this movie, (laughs) (laughs) right? You know, my kid ever tried some shit like this on me. Like, dude, he's getting locked in his room for the next 20 years. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go next. I'm going to give this movie a, 4.5 out of 10 hot nuns from sister act. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's really hard to rate this movie because I do like the nostalgia it gives me like a lot of the movies we do, but the movie, this movie does not survive on its own merits whatsoever. My friend, it is not good, but I enjoy the experience. So it's one of those like movies that's in a weird place for me. It's not heavyweights. It doesn't hold a fucking candle to a movie like heavyweights or any of its contemporaries, really. If you think about 90s camp movies or things, I don't think it's as good as Salute Your Shorts. 
<laughs> I don't think it's as good as Adam's Family Values. I don't oh, think it's definitely it's, not. I don't think it's no. as good as The Parent Trap. The list goes on. It might be equivalent to It Takes Two. I think the Olsen twins go to camp in that movie. Oh, that is harsh. <laughs> Oof. Or that one's probably worse. I don't know. Those movies have a tendency to go dive into a lot of shitty green screen because <laughs> they don't film on location and they make them for two bucks a movie. Uh, but anyway, it's just kind of stupid and crazy and plot holy and wacky. But, I mean, it's a relic of the 90s, as demonstrated by the intro credits, where it's just, like, loud, in-your-face, 90s rock, colorful words. It's very early 90s, yeah. So anyway, it's all right, I guess. Steve, what do you think? I'm pretty much on board with both of you. I'm actually surprised that my rating's going to end up being so close to Corey's. I was expecting to be a little bit lower. And I'm also surprised I'm going to be a little bit higher than Jonathan. Um... It's a dumb movie. The concept is dumb. It's totally implausible on many different levels, including that A, the kid should have been in more trouble, and B, that Dennis should be going to jail. It's full of plot holes. The concept is ridiculous. It doesn't stand out as being particularly good in any regard, even compared to other movies of the type from the era. That being said, I don't feel like it's substantially worse than a lot of what else was being aimed at that audience at the time. I think that also we've got to keep in mind that the primary audience for this movie was not people in their 30s, 25 years after it came out, you know? <laughs> the primary audience for this movie was 11 and 12-year-olds in 1994, and for that reason alone, I will give it more leeway than otherwise. That's who it's for now, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the catch, and it's part of why I asked Jonathan if his kids had watched it with him, because the, 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 the extension there, the problem there is that I don't think 12-year-olds now would... I don't think 12-year-olds now would necessarily hate it, but I don't think they would identify with it or like it on the same level that the same age group would have at the time. I think they're totally um, out of touch. Like, it's just yeah. totally different generation now. You know? Yeah. I mean, these kids don't even know what a floppy disk is. Right. And, like, and they would want... the computers they were using. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, they'd all just have smartphones with them now. Those kids, for some reason, didn't even buy themselves Game Gears, which makes no sense. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I think overall for me, I'm probably, I'm probably gonna go just a bump above Corey. I will give it five out of ten unsupervised children, um, just because even though it's dumb, even though it's not plausible, even though there are a lot of holes with it, and none of us particularly enjoyed it. At the same time, again, I don't think it's substantially worse. It, it's not any better, but I don't think it's substantially worse than anything else that was aimed at the same audience at the time. And for that reason alone, I'll give it a five, which I consider to be absolutely average. So, yeah. Pretty generous. Yeah, I think it's a little generous. I, I could see going down as low as a four. I might not go quite as low as Jonathan did. I might be convinced to reduce it to a four, but yeah. I, yeah. I could probably give my rating another half a lima bean for right. Christopher Lloyd's range. See, that's you know part what of I mean? Lloyd, like, Lloyd he's is entertaining. so good. Yeah, he he's really is entertaining in the movie. And there were a couple sly jokes for grownups in there that I didn't get as a kid. You know, there's one joke where Lloyd is looking, I think, at a Highlights magazine or something, trying to find missing characters in a scene. And the doctor tells him she, that he should check out the Time article on Middle East peace talks because there's 12 clowns in that one. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, I didn't get that joke as an 11-year-old, but it was kind of a funny joke. Or when so. he's, like, in the camp and the guy's saying, like, how a bunch of hippies in the 60s yes. made it a peace and love commune. Right, and Mr. Vandersnatch. Like, come on, some of that stuff is sort of amusing. Well, Christopher Lloyd's, like... 
uh, he, he's like, oh, I knew I remember this place from somewhere. They're yeah. like, you did that stuff here? Right. And he's like, no. Well, and he here. takes one step to the right. Like, <laughs> as if to say, no, right here. Yes. So, you know, it's not it's not awful. It's not particularly good. It isn't my favorite movie from that era. In fact, I don't think I'd actually sat through this movie in at least 20 years. But still, it, I just didn't think it was terrible. So this I mean? is in the area for Jonathan of Baby's Day Out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really interested in, like, you know, making this one on my Disney Plus wish list yeah. to yeah. watch, you know. But um, I, I didn't mind watching it. And, and I... I enjoy watching Christopher Lloyd act. Yeah, me too. Um, and, and especially in the 90s. Like, he was so... Although he was so much the same, he was so himself in every role, he was also so unique in every role throughout <laughs> right. the 90s there as well. And and I enjoy watching that aspect of it. I mean, among Christopher Lloyd movies, it's not as if this was uh, my favorite Martian. You know, could have been worse. <laughs> right. Uh, but what's better, this or Angels in the Outfield? I know you guys are going to disagree with me, but if I'm being honest, I don't like Angels in the Outfield very much. I didn't like Rookie of the Year very much either. They were never like on. I don't mean to be shitty about it. I don't. I never hated either of them. I just never particularly liked either of them. You know. So anyway, there we have it. Yeah. All right, that's it for this episode. If you, the listeners, want to write in, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. Leave us a positive rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram as well. Big Dumb Movie Podcast over there. Check hey, us out. I just realized we have an Instagram. All right. <laughs> it's been years, Steve. I've had I, it for years. You have. It's true. I just keep forgetting. So, yeah, give us a like. Give us a follow. Find us on YouTube and give this episode a thumbs up. Even if you don't listen on YouTube, subscribe to us there, please. At Every the very least, give me helps. a thumbs up. I mean, come on. Yeah, subscribe to Steve's <laughs> YouTube channel where he displays his anime pillows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my collection. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's oh. it for this episode. It's been a good ride. We love you. Good night.
This is a cool one. So we used to go after school to the uh, mall in Ventura, and they had this little stand called Island Squeeze. And at Island Squeeze, it was like smoothies and boba and like that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so they had the really big straws for the boba, right? So we would all go and order like one drink so we could each get just like a big, the big boba straw. Like one person, because we were poor, so one person would order a drink and like eight of us would all get a straw. And then we would go up on the second floor in the mall and then shoot spitballs down to like the jewelry counters and shit like that with those big, huge straws. It was hilarious. That's a perfect use of using an effective spitball. But like, when was this? Because I feel like if you were doing that, it would have been with me, but I never did that with you. Like, when was that? This was high school, oh, okay. for sure. Yeah, when older. you were gone, when you were in the uh, in prison, Carolinas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the dirty South. Um, but yeah, we would go there weekends or evenings. We got banned from the mall for like a year or something like that. Yeah, I got kicked out of that mall too. Did they take your picture. I uh, I don't remember that they could have, but I don't remember that. So I, we still all went back anyways. Like, so all the time they had my picture up. They kicked me, Rory, and Justin out when we were in high school. Come in. And um, what did you guys do? We were just skating in the loading dock. Oh. And um, some security guard was all mad, and we were filming him be all mad, and that made him more mad. <laughs> so we were skateboarding back there. What's up, dude? <laughs> Welcome. Steve. Was this? Is this after this high school? This is all going at the end of the episode. So if you have anything to add, feel free to say it in the mic. I got, I got kicked out of a park on my bike with some friends once by a security mm-hmm. guard who way overreacted at a park that we'd never been kicked out of before. We, we'd been all drive. We'd all been. It's right next to the Sagebrush Cantina on Mulholland Highway in Calabasas, right at the bottom of the hill. Kids from that from that neighborhood had been riding their bikes in that park for longer than I'd been alive. All of a sudden, on this one day, there's like four of us in there. We're not bothering anything. We're not breaking anything. We're just riding around on this little trail that's built into the park. Guard starts flipping the fuck out, yelling at us, what are you doing in here with your bikes? You know, blah, 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 blah. I got really angry, but I kicked us out. One of, we didn't have smartphones back then. Others probably would have filmed them, but one of my friends just started talking shit back to him, and we eventually just left because I didn't feel like having the cops called on me, but yeah. <laughs> what is with that? I could never imagine being that guy. Now I'm an adult, right? Right. But I can never imagine going up to some kids and be like, hey, you can't ride your bikes around here. The guy could have just come up and we were a pretty reasonably well-behaved group of kids. The guy could have just come up and said, hey, guys, we don't let people ride bikes in here anymore. We probably would have just left. But instead, he chose to yell at everyone. Right. I, a security guard at the Northridge Mall once got apoplectic with me because I was taking pictures of the mall property. I couldn't believe it. I bought it years ago already. I'd gotten a new digital camera. It was the first one like it I'd ever owned. And I, I was going out that night with friends. We were milling around the mall and I decided to take the camera with me. I wasn't taking pictures of anything specific. I was just dicking around with it to teach myself how to use it. But I was taking pictures of anything I thought looked neat, like like the underlighting on palm trees and stuff, just to see how the camera reacted to those pictures. And the guy came riding up on a bicycle and just, you can't take pictures on the mall property. You have to, I have to watch while you delete those, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? He's like, it's private property. It's against the rules. I'm like, I'm just, the palm trees, the mall owners are concerned about images of the palm trees. That's what you're telling me. That's a power trip. There's no way that was a rule. Yeah, I can't believe that's actually a rule. I can't believe it's actually a rule. I mean, I remember being told when I got a retail job at 17 or 18 that they didn't let people take pictures in the store for some weird reason. But when I pressed the security people about why that was a rule, they didn't actually have an answer. 
So, yeah. Do you think a fucking security guard knows why they do their job? What the <laughs> right. fuck? Dude, they, they're just there for a paycheck, man. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, probably. Probably. If, if your life's aspirations are to be a fucking mall security guard, right? like, you, I don't know. Man. Another guard did the same thing to my friend Josh and I once. We must have been 14 or 15. We were sitting on the out at the on the patio at the Kukuroo that used to be in the Topanga Mall waiting for my mother to come pick us up so that she'd know where to find us. And the security guard's like, if you guys aren't eating here, you can't sit here. Like, what? Like, Good lord. Right. Well, I I validly got chased out of Ventura College before. So, but that was oh, yeah. a little different. College police are a little different than like mall cops. Skating, you know? yeah. What? No, we were BMXing at the time, uh, and so I I was done skating and I was into BMX for like a, quite a few years. Yeah, and uh, so they have like a it's like a twenty five stair rail, right. and there's no kinks on the rail. It's like it's perfectly smooth, and it has <laughs> such a great approach. And on both sides, it's just like like three feet of ivy. So if you fall, like it's not that bad. Right. right? So, um, we would just go and, and hit this rail all the time. And, and, uh, one day we got chased out. It was like Easter Sunday or something. So there was nobody on campus. There's nobody there. Nobody doing anything. We weren't bothering anybody. I mean, we were damaging school property, I guess, but like they, they legit chased us, but it was one of those cool, like, like, I don't know. Like uh, the first thing I think of is the uh, scene in ET where all the bikes like split up, right? Wow. When they're chasing them, and like everybody's going in a different direction, so the, the security guys can't figure out who to chase. Yeah. But then they like catch up with other ones, and we're like crossing paths and all this stuff with their stupid little golf the carts. The ET theme is playing while you're right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love. I it. found a basket cool. on the ground, put it up on my handlebars. Like it was so cool. Put a crackhead in there. Yeah. <laughs> one of the security guards at Moorpark College told me once that something like 60% of his job was just chasing skaters off the campus. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It was like the height of the Tony Hawk days. So like everybody wanted to go skate something public, you know, <laughs> like it was, it was just public, uh, um, and, uh, street, uh, sports, I guess you would call it. We're just kind of like at such a peak yeah. at that time. It was so elevated. Oh my God. Good times though. It is great. Yeah, I, 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 somebody I know at Amgen actually at one point years before getting a real job there had worked in their security department and they, they've got the whole facility gated off now. But for a long while, I guess they had problems with kids coming in at night with skateboards and stuff. And the kids were never trying to get into the buildings, but they wanted to skate on the property. And there was one night where they'd had to chase off three or four kids with skateboards and the next morning when this acquaintance of mine went in for work, they had this group morning meeting and his boss started the meeting literally by saying Amgen is under attack. <laughs> this guy should be a politician. Right. <laughs> Amgen is under attack. Amgen is under attack and that, that I think he got laughed at. Meet Zachary. <laughs> bleached blonde hair. Cargo shorts. Some 14 and 15 year olds from Newbury Park High School have been coming in here and skating occasionally. Ugh. Fucking A, dude.